Welcome to Anything Goes, the best geek and pop culture podcast broadcasting from Long Island, New York. I'm your host, Timothy Rooney. And if you look at the title of the podcast, you know we're doing the Prisoner of Azkaban review. And like every Harry Potter podcast I do, I have two guests with me. Who's with me today? Nikki Torres or Nikki Muggle. And Dakota Wiegand, like always. <laughs> How are you doing today? Oh, I didn't know you were asking both of us. You were looking. I looked at the corner and I just shit my eyes to you like, and you? <laughs> you didn't even pass me the microphone. <laughs> no, that's why I was I so don't confused. have anything to say anymore. Uh, this is, this intro is getting off well. So everybody, <laughs> break out your, your copy of Harry Potter and the Prison of Azkaban because our review is coming right at you right now. <laughs> Dakota, before I swing the mic over to you, can you think of and recite the synopsis of this book? Oh, God. I knew this was coming. I didn't prepare. Okay, winging it. Uh, How did you not prepare? You do it every time. I know, but I forget. Um, okay. So, Harry Potter's still a wizard. Shocker. Um, <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler. He's still a wizard. Um, he's at home and with the Dursleys for summer, like always. But now we have a little tidbit that uh, some villain broke out of some prison on Muggle TV. His name is Sirius Black, and he's armed and dangerous, but nothing else is is revealed. So Harry's kind of like, eh, whatever. Um, later, he accidentally, like, in a rage, blows, inflates his aunt <laughs> to, like, hot balloon status, and then runs out of the Dursleys, threatens to kill, pretty much, he's almost got gunpoint, runs out, uh, Puts his wand in like Uncle Vernon's face and like, I will fuck you up. Runs out, trips over, hurts himself because he sees his giant dog, gets picked up on a night bus, goes to Diagon Alley. Cornelius Fudge is like, Oh, <laughs> Cornelius Fudge is there going, Oh, thank God you're alive. And Harry's like, Why? And Cornelius Fudge is like, Uh, communist. <laughs> This is Dakota's paraphrasing <laughs> of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Okay, so long and short out of it, it turns out that Sirius Black is presumably coming after Harry Potter. They go back to they go to Hogwarts from there. Uh, Harry gets pretty much attacked by Dementors on the train. We're introduced to Professor Lupin, who is probably the one of the best characters of the series. Yeah. Um, Hogwarts stuff happens. Harry gets attacked by Dementors again. Learns the Patronus charm a little bit later. Um, Sirius Black actually comes out of hiding, tries to kill kill someone multiple times, and then um, we find out about the Marauders in the book. Um, we find out that Lupin is a werewolf. Sirius Black is a etymology, I believe. I'm an, anim- uh, yeah, no, I'm even anomology. We're just yeah, gonna run we'll it go like with that. that. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Snape. 
And Snape hates both Lupin and Sirius Black because they were James James Potter's best friends, and they just ragged on him the entire time. And turns out Black is his godfather. Peter Pettigrew is actually Scabbers, who is uh, working with Voldemort. He runs away, sets a plot for the fourth book. There's also time travel, yeah, Quidditch that, World Cup. That was I mean, not a World Cup, but they win the House Cup. House Cup, yeah. It was definitely not your best synopsis. <laughs> no, I, I was just like, I should take the mic away from it. This train wreck is just I, hilarious. I now. think it's because it's your favorite book. I think you had the the hardest time synopsising it because you literally gave so much details. That's not a real word. <laughs> I get a really bad look from Tim on that one. But unlike the other first other two, there's a, a shit ton of stuff going mm-hmm. on in this book. There's like more subplots than what we were used to with the first oh, book, yeah. two books. Well, because I mean, this is when we start uh, realizing that these books are going to age with Harry. Um, yeah, and they're going to get dark. Yeah. Pretty freaking quickly. Oh, yeah. So, since this, the book series is about Harry Potter, let's look at Harry Potter as a character in this book, where he's come from the first two books and where he leads off at the last page. Nikki, your feelings on Harry in this book? Uh, you know what? This book, I kind of started to realize that Harry really gets, like, kind of picked on a lot for a famous person. Like, it's not kind of what I would have expected. Like, even um, what everything that happens with Harry with the Dementors, um, they, like, they're cruel about it. Like, nobody's realizing that he's literally listening his parents get murdered. Like, every time a Dementor comes through... And brings up those deep, dark memories for everybody else. It's like, oh, you know that time that I fell off my wizarding bike? <laughs> like, you know, like, it's, these aren't, like, big things. And then for Harry, it's it's literally... And you know who also... Uh, sliding off of Harry just a little bit. Who also gets affected really bad is Neville. So, like, it's just... I think Harry... Um, Harry's just picked on poor harry's bullied and i i do think like he's able to master really advanced magic in this and i i think the movies downplay it uh especially later on in order of the phoenix when everybody's doing the patronus charm but this is magic that an average you know 13 year old should not be doing and like lupin tells him that and i think um with lupin he finally gets uh a guardian who's not haggard who because i mean as much as we love Hagrid, Hagrid's really not the kind of responsible adult that you want to look up to. And Dumbledore, Cows want him to you. Yeah, like, Dumbledore is up there, but you don't really get those reaction, like interactions with Dumbledore yet. So Lupin, this is the first time that Harry's kind of bonding with, like, a like a father figure. And it just happens to be that this is one of his father's best friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just Harry, Harry gets really complex in this book, and I, I like that. About Harry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I agree with the... Uh, Obviously, things change, and of course, he turns 13, and puberty hits him, and it hits him in the usual ways of, like, he starts to notice Cho Chang for the first mm-hmm. time, and he gets very angry very quickly. I mean, like, just like, oh, I hate life kind of everything, but not he's not petulant. That's not until later <laughs> he's on. He's not where... Order of the Phoenix mad. He's like, no. Just... Yeah, just normal. Well, dealing with the jerseys for two months, I, I probably oh, yeah. probably be really a thousand percent. And Marge is like it. next level. Like she's literally. I thought you couldn't get worse than the Dursleys, and then you meet Aunt Marge, and that's it. And like even like times that like it seems like Uncle Vernon is just like trying to avoid the situation, and just mm-hmm. like he even he recognizes like all right, 
only things shenanigans are only going to ensue if I keep pushing this issue. That's why he keeps trying to deflect Marge from picking on Harry at one point, yeah. either out of fear, most likely out of fear. I doubt he. Yeah. Care, he I don't think he has yeah. any feels, any emotions towards Harry. But yeah, like you're saying that. Harry gets picked on a lot, and Draco. This is when Draco starts to get really obnoxious yeah. with everything, and he he Draco. It's like, ooh, the Dementors, Dementors. Ow, my arm. I'm a little bitch. I'm sorry. Yeah, for some reason, and it, this is like Harry's getting affected by something that's really serious, and then Draco literally milks like a scrape on his arm. Like Harry regrew fucking bones, and he was fine. Didn't bitch once, but Draco's all like, um, I can't cut my. What did he? cut the like root or whatever and poor ron like ron who never does anything perfect had these perfectly cut yeah <laughs> and then snape made him switch oh i felt so bad for switch ron. with draco and then harry deals with the revelation of a person who he believes betrayed his parents mm-hmm. but and is willing to murder him he, he has the opportunity but chooses he chooses that he's he shows that he's his father's son and realizes this is a bad situation i can't do this then realizes, oh, this guy's my godfather and he's actually in the right, does whatever he has in his power to protect his godfather, and that's what continues in the next few books. And Dakota, your feelings on Harry in this book? Uh, you kind of said it. I was going to talk about the whole puberty thing and finally noticing some girls and everything. Um, obviously, he's getting angrier faster. And... Um, yeah, no, this is the first time we're actually seeing Harry not as, like, this happy-go-lucky kid. Um, he's a little bit more... He's a little bit more feeling... Wearing his heart on his sleeves a little bit here, and he's, like, not putting up with as much, like, crap. Now, do you think it's the first time? Because um, in Chamber, you see it a little bit when they accuse him of being the heir of Slytherin. Well, that that's a little bit more extreme situation, but the littler... The smaller, the smaller things like okay. how Malfoy's almost everything Malfoy says is now getting on his nerves when yeah. he just kind of like brushed it off the first two books. Now it's like, really, I'm going to like stab him in the chest. Yeah, I, I think it is like Tim said, like coming off of spending time with the Dursleys. Like I think that's what said like his year was, and then to have in the back of your head like, oh my god, like here's somebody who's literally coming after me. Mm-hmm. I think just like it, it's almost. <laughs> I feel weird saying about a guy because I feel like this doesn't get said about guys, but I feel like you can't blame all his anger and all this on puberty alone because, like, I feel like that's, like, a thing you would say about girls. Like, oh, puberty's hitting her. That's why she's so moody. But, like, no, I honestly think, like, some of this is really just, like, any average person would have reacted like that. He literally thought he was going to get kicked out of school. Mm-hmm. He, like, he was forced to lie and say that he's in a place for criminally insane people with, yeah, like was... with the threat of like oh well you can't go and actually have fun with your friends and in, in hogsmeade if you don't act like you're freaking criminally insane and get like weeped like yep. whipped in school weeped in school <laughs> like, weeping over you do the stank leg <laughs> it would have been better if you did the dance while you did that. I have no idea how to do the dance. Well, I do, so I was doing it mentally while you were <laughs> <laughs> just slowly to see it's ascended to doing that. And let's let's round out the rest of the trio. Your feelings on Ron in this book. Um, Ron you know, Ron didn't really 
I kind of feel bad because he hasn't really progressed in the past few yeah, books. Yeah, and the only thing that really you could say is the whole Ron and Hermione aspect. This is the first time that truly, like, they're at odds, and that's because of Crookshanks and Scabbers. And, you know, people go insane over their pets, so I totally see where they're coming from. And, like, from the get-go, Ron didn't like Crookshanks because he literally landed on his head. Mm-hmm. So, but, like, uh, even poor Hermione was like torn up about it and Ron like was just like I don't care I don't care and then I think it, he really did care and not so there is like a, a little bit more complexity to Ron but he, he really just in this book it's it's kind of Hermione and, and uh, Hermione and Harry's too and, and, but like it, it seems like every book from this point on has some the three being split up mm-hmm. momentarily for some reason this it's it's Ron and Hermione due to Crookshanks and Scabbers, and and for the most part Ron is in the right without the hindsight of like yeah. like you should have let Crookshanks eat Peter Pettigrew and stuff like that. Um, and but then also there's poems that like Ron just kind of just like jabbing her with it, just being like after they win the the House Cup. He's like, everybody's having a celebratory, and he has to yell, or he has to like have, make snide remarks towards uh, Hermione about that. And you're like, Dude, uh. that's just like a 13 year old boy, though. Like that one, I like, because it's like, honestly, he's not, he doesn't know how to handle his own feelings of that. So he kind of just, and like, she's already stressed out with all her like coursework on top of the fact that one of her best friends, someone who she cares deeply about is not talking to her. Um, and like, yeah, she could have prevented that with reining in Crookshanks, but none of them would have been able to know that Peter Pettigrew, like if they knew something was weird about Scabbers, but they didn't know, um, they didn't know that. So. This is also the first book we actually see Ron actually care about something. Yeah. Yeah, he ne- first two books, it's like, okay, he likes Quidditch. That's loosely talked about. But he doesn't really care to anything yeah. too much. And this is the first time we actually see him, like, actually get angry about the condition of Scabbers. And he wants to protect Scabbers and try to take care of him as best as he can. And he's trying his best. And the fact that he – it's kind of actually, like, develops his character a lot more than the first two books because we actually get to see how, like – he does have this very caring side to him, even though he's not probably not the most gentlest of people because mm-hmm. he still kind of treats Scabbards a little harshly. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that a lot of that was regret because he did, he was like, oh, my stupid rat, my stupid rat, my yeah. stupid rat. And then all of a sudden he gets sick and he's like, oh, my God, yeah. like my no, rat. We, when he gets pigwidgeon at the very end of the book, um, mm-hmm. we do see him progress with pigwidgeon in the same mm-hmm. manner as Scabbards. Like, yeah. oh, my God, this thing is so annoying. It and, sounds like, like he's really annoying, though. It like, does sound like literally, like, probably the most annoying owl. But so adorable. It me in your I know. Of your hand. I mean, I guess if you have to go from Errol to pig. Like, I feel like... They're, they're very polar opposites yeah, there, so... Yeah, so I think, like, it's just a shock of the system. Um, it's also kind of cool, too, because the first time you see Hermione with how she cares towards uh, magical creatures, because she really, like, that's, like, her thing. Like, she really loves, like, you'll see the house elves, you'll see... But, like, Crookshanks, literally no one wanted Crookshanks. So Hermione's like, that's the one! Like, yeah. she's literally, like, that, like, person who's, like... I'm going to go to the store and accidentally adopted 17 animals on the way there. <laughs> so, But, like, with, it seems, the, the, I think Scabbers was in the, the family mm-hmm. that Percy had him. Mm-hmm. And who had him before Percy? Was it Bill? It was, no, it started with Percy. 
Percy. Oh, it was just yeah, yeah. Percy, and then it was just Percy, then Ron. Oh, all right, you got to think. Percy is prefect at that point. Mm-hmm. He's had Scabbers and stuff like that. Now it's down to him. No problems when Scabbers was in Percy's uh, care. Now, oh, now it's on. Oh, I didn't think about it like that. Like kind of like the pressure's on because. But then again, and like they kept saying, like even the lady at the, at, what was it called? The, it's not the animal store, but like uh, it has like a distinct name. Like yeah, some, like but, Animal Emporium or something. Is it, uh, owl Emporium. Was it the Owl Emporium? That no, had? They've, they've, uh, Dakota's going to double check uh, on that one. But Dakota. What? Fact check. He's yeah. <laughs> so going to break out his Dakota ring and then you find it out. Dakota <laughs> ring. I'm getting you one for Christmas. If you give me a Dakota ring, I would be happy. It's, it's just your face inside the rubber ring. Oh, my God. I'm sure someone on Etsy can do it. Yeah. They can do amazing things on Etsy, so. Oh, man. <laughs> That's our gift. I'm just going to get everybody a Dakota ring so yeah. we have it forever and ever. Earth, wind, <laughs> fire, Dakota. <laughs> we'll be like Planet Potter. Oh. Harry Potter t-shirts and Dakota ring t-shirts. It's Dakota ring. Or just get it on the back. Like we'll have like a like a Potter t-shirt and then it'll just say like, oh, team podcast with like Dakota. <laughs> Dakota plus ring. Yeah. <laughs> and... And so then you got to think with like, all right, it could, I could be just reading into that, that it's like Percy has all this responsibility. Then like Bill, I mean, um, Fred and George are doing their OWLs, but they're not too worried about it. They do, they do study. Fred and George don't have to study. They're naturally smart. Right. Magical menagerie. Thank you. See, yeah, that's not a name that would have stuck out. (laughs) Start with an S. Sam, Swam, Swami. Oh, Samsonite. I was way off. <laughs> but. E. Coli? E. Coli. Uh, <laughs> this is the real reason why you guys wanted to share a mic so half of this could get cut out. So it's literally just going to sound like one of you saying <laughs> random tidbits. <laughs> yeah, just already makes it look crazier. It'll make it look crazier than we already yeah, are. You know what? I don't think that it's possible. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yes. Can you complete that, that thought. But yeah, no, Fred and George, literally, like, that's, I think that's the biggest difference between Percy and Fred and George, uh, just like side note, um, is that Fred and George are just smart. They just don't want to use that natural cleverness for, you know, books and right. stuff like that. Like, I, I think that they would actually get along better with Hermione if they were like, hey, we're going to read these books because the spells and stuff that they do and the things that you see throughout the books before they even open the joke shop. It, yeah. They're really talented wizards. Mm-hmm. And our feelings on Hermione in this book, and she does go through a very big change in this book. I don't know. I mean, out of the three characters, Hermione doesn't change as much. It's just her obsession with learning becomes more of like an extreme addiction yeah. to the point where she even has to realize, like, oh, my God, I'm going to burn myself out. Yeah. Um, but, no, she – out of anyone, I think she stays the course from the first three books. It's besides getting crookshanks, I think that's yeah, and I mean she gets she always got upset about things that the voice did, so it's really not out of character. I I do th- we were talking about it earlier too, like um, uh, Tim had said like Hermione's so obsessed with following the rules, and then she goes and she does the, the, probably the biggest no no in the wizarding world, other than I guess raising the dead, but um, yeah, messing with time. messing with time, and 
But the reason she did it is because she felt it was justified. She wanted to learn. She wanted, and she's smart enough to do it. Yeah. And honestly, like, she probably could have continued on that path. She was just too young. Like, I think had that had started in her fifth year, she probably would have been okay. Um, but, like, really, what is that? Like, they're totally right when they're like, Hermione, like, why are you taking muggle studies? Like, that's literally the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And the moment she walks out of, uh, div- how do you say it? Divination. 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 God. I forgot about divination. This is why I like reading because you can read it in your head and if you butcher the word, it's no big deal. Um, but yeah, so when she walked out of that, it was like the, <laughs> literally the best moment because you're like, that is... That's how you know she's at her breaking point because she would never disrespect a teacher and she like nonstop is throwing at Trelawney. Like she like could not care less about that woman. And even the first day of class when Trelawney's like, oh, not everyone. You can't learn this from a book. Like that girl should just got up then because let's, let's face it. Hermione will not learn anything that's not from a book other than she learned a little bit uh, in Dumbledore's army. But she really has to – it has to be where she can read it and then apply that. Um but, yeah, that's my thing on Hermione. And I also feel like like she, other than, like, like Harry, she deals with the most emotional journey throughout this book. Like, dealing with the pressures of school. And we've all been there where, like, all right, you make a class schedule. Like, all right, this should be okay. Sure, there's, some of them are upper divisions. But, like, all right, I think I can handle that. Then two months into the semester, you're just like, this yeah. is not good. Should I, not I'm, have packed, like, it should have put in more film classes, less uh, theory classes, and yeah. I'm overwhelmed, yeah. I mean, my first semester was at SUNY Oswego, took five classes, and one, and it was Monday, Wednesday, Friday, one class, Tuesday and Thursday, four classes in a row. And so by the fourth class, near the end of the semester, I'm yeah. just like... Like, <sighs> can't fill your brain at that point. Yeah, and I'm just like, I, I, I seriously regret doing this. And then she physically strikes Malfoy at one point. Yes, Hermione. And yes. I, 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 like, I kind of feel like it's where the movie did it better because yeah. in the book is a slap, in the movie it's a, it's, it's a punch and. and- and I'm like, that's good right there. You know, in all fairness, I, I like how each of them approached it. Um, I think. Visually, when you're imagining a slap, I think it fits more with the book version of Hermione and then the punch with the movie version. Because, you know, um, I I had this conversation with somebody at the bar once and he's like, if a woman punched me, I treat it like a man punching me. He's like, but when a woman slaps me, I'm like, oh, shit, what did I deserve? You know, why did I do this where a woman just physically just slapped me? And he's like, it's really embarrassing to get slapped by anyone, male or female. So, like, I I like in the book, but I also I agree with you, like, in the movie, it just makes sense because I almost feel like Hermione in the movies is stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's all Emma Watson. Like, yeah, I think, she brings so much yeah. presence to that role. And Emma Watson just as a person is like really like no who like she, they probably couldn't have casted her like i wish like young emma watson was just a little bit more experienced because i think it would have even i up. read about those yeah, even she says she's like i can't even watch them yeah. but like um i just think hermione has always been one of those people she has a very clear sense of self uh which is what i think ron struggles with because he's he's trying to find his place in a, a hierarchy of weasleys right um but hermione always knew who she was and so to have emma watson who I mean, Emma Watson's fucking beast, and that's a, literally what I would expect Hermione to be if Hermione was, you know, a real person. Mm-hmm. And 
it's with that, like having, and then she's willing to, I mean, un, of course, Dumbledore it says that it's okay to do this, bring Harry back in time in order to prevent this. If it wasn't for those circumstances where, and where Hermione was at the end of that book, she probably wouldn't do that at yeah. whatsoever. She'd be like, well, that's how it goes. And Sirius Black's going to die by the hand of the Dementors. It's wrong. But I feel like Hermione at the beginning of the book would not do that unless she's gone through that emotional journey. Oh, yeah. And, but... Since we've talked about the established characters right there, let's talk about some of the new characters that are playing there. Let's start with uh, Professor Turani. Do you want to start? You can start. Oh. That's you a know, form of thought right now. Uh, it's it's not that I hate Professor Trelawney, and, and we do learn that there's a very good reason why she's there. Um, I feel like Professor Trelawney is one of those teachers where – if you were taking that subject and you loved that subject, she'd be great. Because, like, literally, she's just kind of throwing some stuff out there. Just so happy. Like, who wouldn't predict that Neville would break the first teacup that he touches? Like, it, you know, there's part of it that, okay, it could have been true. And then another part where it's just like, come on, it's fucking Neville. Like, of, And, like, the whole thing with Lavender's bunny, like... I mean, for her, like, there's there's little things she does, and I'm like, all right, like, this would be something that I'd be like, that's too weird for it to be a coincidence, but not enough for me to believe in it. But for someone like Lavender Brown, like, yeah, like, this would be right up their alley. This is something. So I can understand why um, Hermione struggles with that, because it's not, this is not an exact science. It's even McGonagall's, like, pff, like, turns her nose up at it. And then you have where literally they're in the final and she's predicting that Harry is going to have this horrific event. And you find out later on that she predicts the whole reason that Harry's the chosen one. She was the predictor. So I, you know, I don't hate her, but she is one of those characters I could do without. Yeah. I mean, the books don't really, I mean, we do learn that she does play a huge role in the entire story mm -hmm. um but as a character it's just like one of those characters like this is just she's just there to bother harry and just bother literally everyone else um i mean just reading it it's just so the whole uniqueness of that class is just one you have to climb a rope ladder to get up to her class then it's like this humid perfumed environment and you're drinking tea and you're sweating your ass off and going like what the hell did i get myself into and then she's all like I just hit a bong in the back room before this class. That's literally, like, I definitely thought she was high the whole time. Like, and I like that she's more developed than, say, like, Professor Bins. But, like, I still, yeah, too much. I think they gave her too much attention. I think so. I mean, she's crystal gazing into her, like, the bowl, her marijuana bowl that was back there. Tell <laughs> 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 me what you see in these marijuana leaves. <laughs> It seems like children <laughs> high. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason why she's in the acid part of the buildings because nobody wants to deal with her. <laughs> well, they do say like they come out lightheaded a lot. So, yeah, like, so they're probably they're probably slightly yeah, stoned. Was yeah, maybe she just couldn't write that because it's a kids' book. But yeah, you know, adults rereading it would. Yeah, well, we're obviously reading into it because it, for well, the sake of comedy. That Hagrid's a freaking alcoholic. Like, like, <laughs> That's this is not true. Stuff you picked up when you first read the book. But um, it seems like at least her first class, and predicting with like what you, as you brought up Neville breaking the glass, uh, the uh, tea um, cup, she seems so certain of herself, and she's leveled emotionally while doing that. 
So it makes you think, all right, she seems like a legitimate soothsayer. However, when she predicts, like, oh, you have the grim. It's like, all right, now we really cannot take you seriously. But in all fairness, he did have a grim. It just wasn't a grim. It was serious black. Yeah. So, like, it's not wrong, but it's almost like she misreads things that she's accurate about. Right. And, um, like, I think they said her, her grandmother was literally one of the best seers of all time. So, like, I feel like that's like a Ron situation. You're trying to fill shoes that you can't fill. Yeah. But uh, it seems like with the introduction of her that Rowling has already pl- wrote out the prophecy at this point. That's why I think that's why we give her so much credence in this book. We kind of forget about her. Sorry. We kind of forget about her in the fourth book, then to bring her back in the fifth book, and then oh, why. Man. It definitely seems like Rowling has already planned out the next few storylines by this point. She had to have some inkling that this was going to happen because I know she said she didn't have it like down, but she, yeah, she, in order to put it like a yeah, like yeah, at least basic, an outline, loose idea of where yeah. you want this to go. And I understand where like, and then she has a snooty t- attitude towards people who are non-believers and stuff yeah. like that. But like, you call on the carpet of being a soothsayer. You you have to honest, you have to be able to take criticism, which she does not do well, no. whether from students or faculty included. I love that when it's, it's Christmas dinner, it's like. 12 people, if that, at the table. But that's actually, like, a real superstition because I don't remember what show I was watching. What was I watching? It's, like, House of DVF, some, like, stupid, like, E! show that I watch when I just want to, like, turn my brain off. Um, And the designer, uh, Diane Van something, something, something. But uh, she said, she's like, there are... 13 chairs here she's like we have something has to go like she's like i don't care if we have to uninvite somebody but it can't be 13 at the table so it's almost like trelawney plays on and and rowling in turn because she wrote that for trelawney plays on existing superstitions and um sometimes when you believe in a superstition enough like like my grandmother always says don't leave your pocketbook on the floor and as i'm looking at it it's on the floor <laughs> because you will be poor your whole life and Sally May is going to make sure that that prophecy comes through. So, I mean, sometimes superstitions, I mean, I've never broke my mom's back from stepping on a crack, but, um, like there are ones out there, like at my job, uh, they were just telling me that the tip jars have to go a certain way. And they're like, do you know which way they go? And I'm like, yeah, they go here and here. And they're like, you know why? And I was like, I have no clue, like literally no clue. I just know that they're always there. And it's because the head bartender, uh, believes that if they're in the other order, the night will go bad and you won't make money. You won't make, well, I, I would imagine you'd still make money because you're still bartending, but like you, it, not as much as you would say like a typical night. And uh, they were like, you know what? One night he bugged out on somebody because they rearranged it and their tips weren't really that good. And he's like, I told you not to do this. So like superstitions, yeah, but, uh, but also you could argue the fact, like, if you're bringing so much credence into a superstition, you're bringing the forces of the universe on yeah, you, like, like something you... like that. Laws of attraction kind of a thing. But moving on. The other uh, – do you have anything else you want to say about Tironi? No, I'm good. Okay. Because I feel like I've been hogging the mic. I apologize. Yeah, but, yeah. Not say that was so awkward. Nah, we've done no. <laughs> we'll tell well, you no, off the mic. We'll tell you like what the most awkward touch he's ever done oh, to yes. me. <laughs> I'm so scared. Help me, help me, listeners. <laughs> All ten of you, if that. I don't like when they go. Hey, we want to show you something. It never ends well. So <laughs> that, that thing has sounded really uncomfortable for us now. Thought, <laughs> thoughts on Sirius Black? Uh, Dakota, you want to start this one off? 
Ah, uh, Sirius Black. For the short time that we have him in the series, I love him. He's, I mean, he's just a bat. He's like you don't know anything really that much about him. What you do know about him is kind of, it's true yet not true. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy is. One, he comes across as, like, this whole badass. He has a flying motorcycle. He went out for a revenge kill on Peter Pettigrew. Um, just all sorts of other stuff. He's just... I don't know, in this book, I feel like you just wanted more of him. And the little yeah. bit that you got was just enough to get you, like, oh, my Hooked. God, I, yeah. need to, I need to learn more about Sirius Black. So I thought he was a really great addition to the story. And also the fact that it kind of gives Harry that little bit of, like, a... Edge. Edge. Because, yeah. like, hey, my godfather is convicted of, like, murder of, like, shit ton of muggles. Yeah, what now? See, I, that's almost, I, he does get that attitude, but can you, like, not picture Draco saying that if, it, like, the roles were reversed? Like, Draco would be like, I'm gonna stick my uncle on you. Like, wait. Like, what was it? He said he doesn't have blood prints. Like, was it Greybeard? Or, uh, who's the guy who's the werewolf? Yeah, but that- he's not related to him. No, but he does threaten. He uses him at his friendship as a oh, threat against the against. of the shop owner. Yeah. So he has done something like that. Yeah, because that's a very Draco-like statement. But you're right; it does give Harry kind of like a swagger. Because yeah. um, they even say they're like just tell the Dursleys, that, you know. Yeah, like when uh, he gets off the train and Uncle Vernon's like, "Why are you so happy about?" Well, my year was like this, and I turned out my godfather is a convicted murderer, and if he knows that I'm not happy. He might come a calling. Yeah. And then Uncle Vernon's like, oh, fuck. Great. That's my whole thing with Sirius Black is, you're right, you you don't get enough of him. And um, he he is badass, but in, like, the cool uncle sort of way. Like, the uncle that is just enough older than you, but it's still, like, you, like, look up to them. Because, um, like, my cousin has that situation where him and his uncle are, like, only, like, I want to say, like, four or five years apart like like there's a close Mm -hmm. gap and um yeah the flying motorcycle like all this stuff and the feats that he does it's like the fact that he broke out of an like unbreakable unbreakable. like just that determination yeah and then to find out okay like that's another one like kind of like fred and george like you find out the marauders and turn like they mastered magic that you literally have to be on a registry for that's how hard and how restricted it is and they mastered it and they were able to keep it a secret keep it a secret and they did some other like really hardcore magic where it's like oh. that's really like advanced stuff for like these kids like mapping out the entirety of hogwarts and its grounds and also putting the magic on the on the map itself to be able to show itself to the people with the password and whoever doesn't insult them i love the insults oh my god God, the insults are so freaking funny and it's just like that's something that you know 14 15 year old of course yeah you can totally see like 15 16 year old kids right like (laughs) however the problem i have with the marauders map is how did fred and george figure out the password they probably played the shit. Like, I, I, I mean, like, I understand, out. like, it's something that Phil, just, like, had problems with and, like, obviously confiscated, so it's got to be of something of interest. However, I, I'd get really, fr- maybe it's because maybe I just have low patience for some things, or maybe I would just would have given up earlier because 
I solemnly swear I'm up to no good. That would not be a phrase that would come out of my mouth often. But it would also come out of Fred and George's. That's true. Because you know they be bantering, like they do, and they just keep going. And like someone's like, says something and throws it out there. I mean, I'm sure, like like you said, you didn't have the patience for it, but for them to steal it, they're going to have the patience for it. And they probably, we've seen it throughout the books that Fred and George, like, whenever there's, like, something that they are interested in, like, uh, the circle around the Goblet of Fire, their, um, all their candies that they produce and everything else that they produce, they're, like, into it. Like, oh my god, we need to figure this out. Yeah, they live, breathe, whatever their ideas. They probably, like, died laughing, reading these insults coming off the paper at first, and like, we gotta figure out what the hell this thing is. You know what? They may have acts, too. It's kind of like Tom Riddle's diary like uh they may have asked to figure it out because you know after these insults and they're probably going right back well listen here mr mooney like you know they're (laughs) probably just throwing insults and it's like they however it is charmed because tom riddle didn't have to talk to everyone who wrote in that journal he literally could have pretended like he well tom riddle's soul whatever but could have pretended he was a regular journal and yeah. just let it go. But he chose Ginny because he realized, here's, you know, a young girl. I can take advantage of this. Nobody's going to suspect a young girl if I'm, you know, I'm back at Hogwarts. Let's make shit happen. Um, so with the map, like, I'm sure in some way, I mean, I'd like to believe they just said it because it, it actually seems like something they would say. Like, it just throws it up. And But at the same time. They probably were going back and forth with the the marauders and uh, the marauders were like, here, here's how you do it. Yeah, but my feelings on Sirius Black is that he's a person. Actually, before that, with like how the the marauders mastering those kinds of magic and making the map itself. Do you think they would be the kind of people who would like paint a pentagram on something, seeing if they could conjure a really dark spirit? Or something like that. Do you oh, think they like would do Ouija really, board? Yeah, kind of thing. Do you think those would be the kind of people who would do that? Mm-mm. No. Um, no, I don't. Snape would. Yeah. 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 Snape would mess with uh, pentagrams and stuff, but I think like Ouija boards and stuff like that for just the Wizarding World and stuff and other like so-called what we think is like hardcore dark shit yeah. for the this world of Harry, like the Harry Potter universe. I feel like it's just like eh, muggles. Yeah. Uh, I mean. I meant the equivalent of it, not the actual. My whole thing is I think even though they're mischievous and even though I think they have that line, um, and that's the whole reason that James kind of pulls back on it. I think also the reason that uh, Sirius was so gung-ho into tricking Snape, not just because they hated him, but I think Sirius had a little bit more of a predisposition for the dark arts. I mean, he's coming from literally one of the darkest wizarding families and, um, you know, he's rebellious. So he's going to have a little bit of a predisposition for it. And then I think his friends were the conscious and, you know, obviously Lupin within that whole, um, within the whole trick on Snape, Lupin couldn't have been a part of it because Lupin wasn't in his own mind. Like Mm. he's literally just kind of roaming around in his werewolf self. So, um, I think they have that line. And you know what? Peter Pettigrew, even if he wanted to, he is not the kind of wizard that can do it. I Literally, I picture young Peter Pettigrew as like Colin Creevy. Like literally like that annoying, like, let me follow James and all of them around. And they kind of took pity because like Harry still responds to Colin, even though he's frustrated with him. He's still like, 
appreciates Colin as a person, and I think that's what they did with Peter Pettigrew. So it's almost that much sadder that Peter Pettigrew is the one that sold them down the river because they literally took they, – they didn't have to help him transform. They didn't have to – they could have let it go really, really, really bad and just be like, yeah, Peter was just trying to do some magic, and we told him not to do it. But I, I do think they have that good that you see in Harry, that you see in Ron, you see in Hermione – um, that, yeah, they'll get into trouble, but they're not going to go as far as because, you know, it's a, in the Wizarding World is a, a much clearer picture mm. of good magic, dark arts. Like, yeah, you know, there's and, you know, Snape, you're absolutely right. Snape is the one because, I mean, you look at that sec. sec oh, my God. my Sectosarum. Thank you. Damn, that's closer than what I would have got. So I'll go with it. But yeah, you look at that spell. And even he knew that was too much. Um, But you look at that spell and a dark mind comes up with something like that. You know, it's one thing to hang somebody up and like flag them. But like, it's a totally another story to cut someone in half. And my feelings with Sirius Black is that he doesn't do himself favors. He's very impulsive. Mm -hmm. Like. Breaking into the school twice, once attacking the painting of the fat lady once she wouldn't let him in. The other time is bringing a knife in to kill Scabbers and just scaring the shit out of Ron. Well, he wasn't planning on scaring the shit out of Ron. No, no, no. It was yeah. just like he didn't know where he was. It was, and I'm, I can just imagine just like waking up and seeing a madman with a knife over your bed. You'd, you'd be, you'd freak out when something like that happens. But means well not not like in a oafish kind of way like hagrid or something like that but he means well when he he believes he's doing the right thing and when harry's like no we have to keep him alive or we have to turn Pettigrew in he respects his wishes because he respects harry just like how he respected his father mm-hmm. because yeah. he sees so much in him physically with the exception of his eyes it looks like his mother's eyes boom we should just put like money in a jar right there for how many times that's so said. They say it so many times. And, From like, this I point on, it. yeah, it's like I I really get it because it is one of those things you would probably hear a lot, especially if your parents were murdered in a gruesome way. But like you gotta imagine, like the kid had his parents murdered in a gruesome way. You really think you want to bring that up every time you see him, even if you don't really know him that mm-hmm. well. Um, like I would almost kind of forgive it from like Sirius from Remus, but I would not forgive it from like everybody else that does it. I'm, you're gonna you're gonna make me laugh at this. Uh, Harry has his mother's eyes, and I'm thinking of Top Shots. Like I have my father's eyes, and he opens up like a glasses case, and there's two eyeballs in there. <laughs> I like that you both are like chuckling in this same exact manner. Like both of their shoulders are raising, and like their sh- body shaking while they're like chuckling. It's hysterical. Yeah, we're 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 gay like that sometimes. You're simpatico. <laughs> um, not a new character, but a new position while at Hogwarts. Hagrid becoming a teacher. Feelings on that is Hagrid being a teacher. <laughs> I, you know, perfect teaching position for Hagrid. They're literally they say it in the book. I mean, he prescri- he prescribes. I was gonna say he um. He requires a biting book for 13-year-olds. Monster book of monsters. A 13-year-old with a biting book, and he doesn't think anything of it. And it's one of those things, it's like if anybody had like been like, hey, Hagrid, let me see your teaching plans for the year, all of that could have been avoided. Like, yeah. Hagrid, this is a great idea, but maybe you should start with Fantastic Beasts and where to find them, like everybody else. Yep. Um, and it's like, yeah, save the hippogriffs for like 
the end of the semester. Um, but and the cool thing, the cool slash sad thing is those lessons would have been freaking awesome had it not been for Trinko who ruins everything yeah. because Buckbeak, like he clearly says like, that's like classic example of that asshole in, in school. Like the teacher would just be like, okay, the test is going to be Tuesday and you're going to need a pencil. And then like five seconds later, what day is the test? What do we need? And you're like, would you not right here? And it's not like Draco was texting. He was literally just gossiping with his two best friends because he's like a girl like that. Mm-hmm. And so he got himself hurt when they said, don't insult hippogriffs. They're really freaking proud. And so what does he do? He does exactly what he's told not to. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree. Uh, Hagrid is a teacher at like perfect role. And uh, I have anyone to figure out the how to get the book open i would expect hermione to but never comes no because hermione's not really good with practical this is true she would have to like if there was like a wizarding internet she'd have to be like how to open and then she'd read how to do it and she'd be like gosh why didn't i think of that and do it but, yeah good point but um once hagrid falls apart and it's all flower worms and stuff that's where i started like okay yes i know he's falling apart and he's all depressed and stuff like that but all but in the middle of everything they kind of throw it in there where he ac- they actually said there was one good lesson like in the middle of winter yeah. where they're feeding a fire because all the salamanders are like right into the flames yeah the fire like, newts yeah yeah and like okay flower worms flower worms flower worms salamanders and then it goes back back to flower worms it's like Dude, you just had, like, a moment of actual, like, clarity here. Like, go with it. And he gets better. I mean, he does get better throughout yeah, the but, series. Yeah, I mean, but it kind of follows the same format where he's, like, starts off really good, then gets his confidence knocked back down to the ground, and he's back to doing, like, stupid beasts that yeah, are boring. Um, I mean, especially in uh, the fifth book. Well, the fifth book, That's I mean... a whole different thing, but yeah. Fucking umbridge. <laughs> And I understand, like I understand why you wanted to start out with a bang with hippogriffs and stuff like yeah. that. And I do find it's funny that Draco initially bows and does exactly what he's told yeah. to get close to Buckbeak. It's not until he's close to Buckbeak when he realizes, oh, he he lets his he lets his arrogance get the best of him. Up until that point, though, once he, he finally he yeah. actually respected the creature for a moment, a moment. But Draco being Draco, he allowed, like, ah, you're just a dumb animal. And, well, bam, he gets he gets scraped by this animal. And in the book, Hagrid does not freak out, taking him back to the school. Yeah, he does. Yeah, but he's like, all right, everybody, follow me. And he just he runs him back. You know, like, in the movie, they played up, like, uh, uh, uh. No, in the book, he, like, shouts, like, yeah. Like, uh. yeah he, he pushes he, that puppy. He doesn't freak out about the fact that he's hurt. He's not, like... Well, no, he just grabs him and runs, leaving everyone else else behind. Which is actually kind of like the worst way to react because you literally now you have a a, a, uh, riled up hippogriff. You don't know how the other hippogriffs are going to respond to that um, because they're super proud creatures. So you would imagine they kind of look out for one another, which is what I would like almost like a like a lion's. Yeah. Um, what is that called? Like a lion's den? Is that uh, no, one? Uh, pride. pride. Thank you. Pride. pride of lions. So, um, like you would think that they would kind of react the same way and you have all of these kids, but in all fairness, I don't actually think all of the kids were in the, the corral. I think they were like one at, yeah. They one were per one. one per one. So like there were still some and like some that like Neville who like just didn't belong going anywhere near a hippogriff. Um, 
yeah and like i kind of because i talk to my dog like he's an asshole because he is an asshole and like that's literally how i talk to him I'm like get the fuck back teddy like this is a little too much and he digs it but he's also not a hippogriff where you should probably not talk to them like that because they tell you not to do that so like you know how people like baby talk dogs i don't do that i'm literally really mean to mine and he's like all about it interesting yeah but it's like it disproves <laughs> the griff theory well i mean i don't see it as like he like i i think his scooping up malfoy and bringing it to the hospital wing i think is a little bit better than freezing up not knowing what to do and then eventually you have to be told to bring him to the hospital wing i think that's better yeah. than just like the indecision in that moment yeah like but, react rather than just yeah freeze up. freeze up. But like they still there's like shitty situations, shitty ways of dealing with how that happened. And I understand he he goes through that trials and tribulations of like having to defend uh, uh, Bugby before the school governors, where Draco Malfoy, Godfather style with marionette strings, controlling everybody, and then the executioner, um, I forget his name. Uh, McNair with a, such a hate boner to kill. No wonder he's a Death Eater. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how they didn't... Oh, never mind. I answered my own question. I was going to say, I don't know how they never noticed his uh, dark mark. Mm-hmm. because. It, but I realize it only shows up when Voldemort... Is in power. Has, yeah. Actually, if, uh, just thinking about how they displayed McNair in the movie... The dark cloak, and he's sharpening his axe. He has like this evil grin on his face. It's like McNair in the. You seem more sophisticated than that. More sophisticated, like I kind of. I always thought McNair. If you know what I'm talking about, in the movie, uh, the Disney '90s movie of the Three Musketeers, McNair was the executioner in that movie with the mustache and the black goatee, and he's just very solemn and just dark. Oh, I got the. No. Similar looking, but not, but no. I got like sociopath vibe from it. Like, that's what I got. So I pictured like literally like an average wizard who literally is just missing like the feeling. Yeah. Like, so, I, but I kind of liked how they did it in the movie um, because I think it just went along with the overall Dark. like motif. Yeah. It's also the, the kid's perception of what he is oh, yeah. and of course they, they super scary to like yeah with a gigantic axe the size of him and stuff yeah. like that i'm like i don't think he really needed that big of an axe but who do i, I mean, know i don't execute he's really a large creature yeah that's true so like i feel like you can't bring like a little dainty axe no but he, i mean he, he, <laughs> yeah it, but also, he looks like he should be on like, the the cover of a metal album or something Johnny, like that and like that yeah. axe won't work like no that would take a few uh Slams, then he'd be nearly headless Buckbeak. Oh my god, that would be so sad, but nearly headless Hick could... Hick. <laughs> a nearly headless Nick, Hick out there. Nick, come on, I'm thinking about you. <laughs> well, nearly headless Nick could have rode nearly headless Buckbeak in the Headless Horseman. I, I, I would just hope like, they were cut in opposite directions, so like his head can go one way and Buckbeak's head can go the other way. As they, oh, like... so they can get like a good full perspective. Exactly. <laughs> we had That's... a really good idea there. Yeah, JK we... really missed out. Yep, totally. <laughs> but since we're talking about teachers, let's keep it with them. I kind of skipped over him. I, I apologize. The new teacher of the Defense Against the Dark Arts... Remus Lupin. See, I didn't think you skipped over him. I thought you wanted to give him more attention. So that's why I thought you like waited and you, you got those two out of the way. Because well, uh, he's like literally one 
of the best characters in the whole series. Uh, he's just so put together, so confident, knows what he's actually doing, which is so different than our last Defense Against the Dark Arch teaser. Both of them, let's be honest. Yeah, well, you know, because Quill tort theory, so it's not so much that... Yeah, we really don't know yeah. how Quirrell was as a teacher because they never ha- said that uh, Rowling never described yeah, them in a defense it. against dark arts thing. Yeah, so it's it's more like you really just have to compare Remus to Gildery and Night and Day. Literally, polar. Like here's someone who's actually qualified, and um, the fact that he has to hide like who he is is probably like one of the most. Uh, most qualities that I admire about him because he that's got to be the most like to have that on your shoulders that at any moment well not any moment I mean he has a schedule but like he could literally turn into like a psycho killer and kill everyone in mm-hmm. his near sight like and he's not the kind of werewolf like we will see later who's just like haha I'm a werewolf I'll turn everyone I'll eat everything I don't care he literally cares and it bothers him he has this conscious and um I mean remember when uh the fifth book Jumping ahead, Arthur Weasley's in St. Mungo's, and the room that he's sharing with is some guy that's presumably bitten by a werewolf, and Lupin mm-hmm. comes to visit Ar- Arthur Weasley, but when he's not talking to him, he goes over to talk to the other guy, yeah. because it's like, hey, it's I like know I get exactly what you're going, what through. You're going yeah. through. Yeah. Just, but, yeah. oh my god, Sorry, just, just no, in. no, it's fine, it's just totally such a legit character, and, and he, it just seems like a really good teacher, like he want he's like, Harry's like, I need your help, and he... And I don't even think it's just because it's the son of, like, his old friend. Like, I think it literally is. That's what he wants to do. He wants to help them. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree. Lupin is by far my favorite character in this entire series. I would have to rate him my top character. Um, I mean, the way they introduce him, I just love how he's just, like, he's on the train. Like, there's... The only adult they ever saw on the train was the Mm -hmm. trolley witch. And here's here's a guy who looks homeless, on the train, passed out. And they're like, okay, this is weird. And then he has this really awesome, apparent, well, we don't see it in the book but because Harry's blacked out, but he has yeah. this really awesome moment. And then just the back and forth, like, on the train, and then everything that goes through the year. And then all the other books, he's just was such a classy character, and I absolutely love him, except for one scene in the se- seventh book. And I... Just that uh, the entire series, there's one moment where I just feel Rowling got the character wrong. When Tonks, when he, he runs away, mm. that's what I don't get because I don't know. I'll have to reread and I'll get back. to When you he runs that. away, he wants to go with Harry, Ron, Hermione on their tr- uh, search for the um what whatever they're fucking called. Four cruxes. Yeah. Thank you. And he's just because Tonks is preggers. I don't want to be around that. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, this is not the Lupin that we started reading. Yeah, I I mean, I always took it more so that uh, he considers Harry like a son. And um, so here he's going on this journey that, like, it's, it's just not going to end well. So I think, like, even though he was, like, yeah, like, people freak out when pregnancy and stuff. But, like, I, I always just took it more as, like, a projective thing. But, like I said, I'll... I'll yeah, the way I read that. it, it was just that was, like, one of my... Not he wasn't in character at that moment, mm-hmm. and I guess that's the whole point. But at the same time, that was like his weakest, weakest moment as a character. But going back to the third book, he's fucking awesome. Yeah. 
but also he never he didn't want to continue the relationship with Tonks in the sixth book before she got knocked up. That was different. That was more protecting her than. Yeah, but also he. It seems like he had a, a the foresight of an inevitability of having werewolf children, and he can't have them. He does. He doesn't want to inflict other people on this world with the sickness that he has. Well, he what, well which eventually does. Yeah, yeah I mean, but but, but still. I, he was protect, trying to protect Tonks from everything that's associated with a werewolf. But as soon as he's trying to, like, if in case you didn't hear me, he's trying to protect Tonks with everything associated with a werewolf. And then all of a sudden, he has now a child on the way. Wouldn't you think that he would try to protect that child with everything that he does, with everything that suited up? He tried to protect Harry, Ron, Hermione. He's trying to protect Tonks. He's trying to protect the Order of the Phoenix. Now he has a kid on the way. He's not sure if it's going to be a werewolf or it's going to be like Tonks where she can transform and everything like that. And then he just bails. I think honestly, I think uh, he's just human, and uh, that's a that's a lot. That's a lot on your plate for any given any given person who doesn't have a werewolf problem. I mean, it's like somebody who has like AIDS or something like that, or yeah. or some kind of disease that could be spread that way, yeah, as yeah. well as well as leading leading a resistance army against mm-hmm. a, a dark evil force. And my feelings on Lupin in this book, and pretty much overall, is that he is one of the best, like you said, best written characters in the entire series, and that even if, like, Neville came up saying, Professor, I need help with this kind of magic, can you help me? Mm -hmm. He would definitely make the time for him. That he's, I don't want to say stern, but he he pushes them to face the bogger that they will envision with themselves. He's not like, face it or else, but he's like, trust me, face it. And you deal with it as like the first lessons and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, like I have the confidence in you. Yeah. And then and like the uh the oh, what's the creature that's in the tube that's in his office that they eventually Grindy deal with? Grindy Lowe's like that's a dangerous creature. You've brought that up on an earlier podcast what Grindy Lowe's are or what it's based on. It's another it's like a water demon or something. They're not the same? No, I don't know, they do both. He he does there's, Grindelos there's, and they're yeah. both aquatic creatures, but Kappas and Grindelos are two different things. Oh, my apologies. Both are de- de- dangerous in the world. And their final, which is like dealing with them, yeah, the, the coolest. I think that's so cool, and like I, I feel so bad for Hermione. That was so cute. That's such a Hermione like <laughs> Professor McGonagall. Just I can see it crawling out of the. Trunk yeah. after her or something like that. Like, oh, it's oh, terrifying. Man, they really missed a moment there in the movie because yeah, that. With cool. Lupin's reaction, like what? Like yeah, like, it could oh have my been god, what, what did you see? I'm like oh my god, what did you see? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Hermione. I wish it was an actual exam, like a human size exam with a big F on it, just coming after her or something like that. Oh, like, like running? Yeah. <laughs> no, I actually almost kind of think it's better that it was... Mo- I mean, as funny as that would have been. Yeah. Um, because McGonagall is literally, I think, in Hermione's eyes, the like top mentor. Like, that's who she wants to be. That's her role model. Like mm-hmm. It's like, you know, like little girls like look up to like Amelia Earhart, and then you have like... Hermione looks up to Professor McGonagall. You know, here's somebody who's brilliant, who's teaching, who's just a classy lady in general. So I think that's who Hermione models herself. And they're obviously quite close because, you know, they get to break wizarding laws together. McGonagall cleared it. They explained that. She cleared it. But, yeah. But, and then, 
And one of the best parts about Lupin, he always seems to be in control of his emotions. He doesn't let them usually get the best of him. That's why when he does turn in... Yeah. Fourth book when Sirius falls through. Fifth book where Sirius falls through the arc. Yeah. He's speaking. He's trying to... He's holding back all of his emotions so it's just kind of Harry. He's not coming back. Yeah. It's like... I mean, like, like the moment where like... Stape catches Harry from the Marauders, and he like throws the uh, the like dust into the fireplace. Like Remus, get back here! And then he just comes through. And that's the first time you see them. Uh, I mean, it's not the first time we use flu powder, but that's the first time you realize that they can communicate. That yeah, way, so they, right? but they don't. Rowling doesn't doesn't linger on that. Mm-hmm. That's why when we see, I think it's. I think it's Fudge talking to Arthur in the next book, and that's when he's like, "Why is the." Prime Minister's head in the fireplace. In the fireplace, and, and even that's how he talks to Sirius. Yeah, too. that's like it's. A, but I like the fact that it was kind of like it's not a setup. It's just like one of those like details you just kind of like write it off. Like, oh, this is just a magical yeah, thing. I think had you not read the second book and you just came into that, I think it would be like a little dissettling. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, because you know that people can literally transport themselves through it. it mm-hmm. What does it matter if they can talk to it? And I love the moment when they're in the Shrieking Shack when they're trying to when Remus is trying to get control out of everybody and everybody's freaking out. He's got a potential murderer on one side, a potential murderer pretending to be a rat on one side. Three thirteen-year-olds all freaking out, one with a broken leg, and he's just trying to chill everybody the fuck down before something goes awry. That's a lot to handle at that moment. He does his best to that, and I feel. Really bad, but it's the most logical sense that he steps down as a teacher. It's it's one of those things. It is the most logical, but it's also the stupidest because when do they do anything logical at Hogwarts? Like, literally, and you're going to have parents like Lucius, but, like, at the same time, you're going to have parents who are going to be like, holy shit, my kids actually learned something this year. So it's kind of like... You really think, like, Seamus Finnegan's parents are going to write, like... Well, if they read The Daily Prophet, they probably would. Werewolf mm. spotted in Hogsmeade and on Hogwarts mm, That's... Yeah, maybe you're right. And as we later find out in the next book, that how The Daily Prophet almost, like, hypnotizes some of its readers with oh the... Oh, my God. ...with the sensationalist uh, uh, headlines that they write. The quibbler. The quibbler is where it's at, man. It may be like the National Enquirer, but it seems like it's more legit sometimes. Fucking Rita Skeeter, too. <laughs> I hate that hoe. Can't wait to talk about her next book. That's going to be like an hour long. Oh, on yeah. Earth, just as we might long... have to break that up. Part two of Oh, God. <laughs> um, Five hours later, we're still doing a podcast. Would you hurry it up? I'm out of title cards. <laughs> any, any last thoughts on on Lupin? No, not really. Just my favorite character ever in Harry Potter. Yeah, no, uh, Lupin's Lupin's developed just really, really, really well. Um, obviously, up until your your qualm, but uh, yeah, well, we'll, yeah. We'll eventually get. To well, that. eventually we will discuss that. Uh, I know. <laughs> bef- I know this will probably be brought up in the commentary, and it'll probably be brushed away because the movie's moving along. You do not like David Duellis' casting as Remus Lupin. I really like him. I so do I. Personally, I just see Jim Dale. I, I, when I read Harry Potter, and obviously I grew up with the audiobooks, I just figure Jim Dale is not actually changing his voice up for Lupin. It's actually his voice being Lupin. Right. And Jim Dale's this lanky dude and everything like that. And that's how I just think, like, 
that's how Lupin should be. I mean, I'll, I mean, I'm gonna give. I'm, I I only saw the third movie once, yeah. and I was so disappointed by it. So I mean, yeah. that's skewing it. But I still think that like. I think it's hard too when it's your favorite character because you're gonna have your own perception of it. And, I it's mean, the odds are stacked against against them. whoever plays it. Yeah, but yeah, no, I mean, I'll give him a shot when we do the commentary again. And like I love his casting, uh, and I think Dave Tuellis is one of, like the best actors of his generation, and and that's my favorite moment in the the Prison of Azkaban movie is that three of Britain's best actors are sharing a scene together with with David Tuellis as Lupin, Gary Oldman as Sirius Black, and Alan Rickman as Snape. And I wish that was like I wish it was like the book where the book goes on for like ten pages of them arguing. Yeah, they just kind of trim it. Yeah, that's like they, there's like three whole chapters dedicated to the Shrieking Shack, and yet they cut down to an eight minute scene in the movie. Yeah. So, but that's how it goes. But since we brought up Alan Rickman and Snape, it's like that Snape gets a little more character character building stuff in this book. Your feelings on Snape in this book? You didn't know Gary Oldman was serious. No, I don't know half this shit about Gary Oldman. I'm learning this after. Gary Oldman never looks like Gary Oldman, so no. I'll give it to you. But like, I know who I am. I'm a dude playing a dude, another dude disguised as another dude. Yeah, Gary. Well, that's not. We're now. I'm talking about Gary Oldman instead of Snape. That's the topic. But um, Sorry. no, it's okay. Um, so the whole thing with Snape in this, everything that he did in this book is really Snape-like. Like he was like trying to be really slippery about outing Remus. While still being super outright, like, he basically spelt out and the only person who got it was Hermione. Um, but that's got to be hard. That's got to be hard to see somebody who you literally had such a bad taste in your mouth from your childhood. Um, even though, you know, back and forth, you, you really can't. Like, you don't get enough backstory on them to really get a full opinion. But it's kind of like a Draco and Harry. Like, I, I'm just assuming that I'm on Team Potter. But, like might have sided with Snape. Um but it's it's just gotta be hard to see your childhood bully and you literally even though Lupin was really kind of the most innocent in my opinion from what we do know, Lupin was really just kind of in the friends group. Mm-hmm. But every day. And now not only are you seeing him every day, but you're required to make him this super hard potion, which I mean you're the potion master, so I'm sure it's not actually really hard for you, but Still, like, he depends on you, and at any moment you can kind of kill him. Like, it's kind of... Yeah. Especially somebody who has, you know, a pretentious... What's... Oh, I'm not even going to try. I'm going to butcher that word, but... Pretentious? Uh, no, um, like... Prejudice? Yeah, pre- I don't want to say predisposition again, because I use that word again, but for uh, dark arts, like, here's somebody who, like, you know, has been in that world, like, he, re- he really could have killed them. Yeah, and that's why, and Harry raises an eyebrow like, uh, Professor, are you going to really drink that? Oh, yeah, bottoms up. Glug, 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 glug. Yeah. Even though, like, it's in... Do you think he only does it because of uh, Dumbledore's orders? Yeah, I, I don't think he would... Why would he have offered? Like, hey, yeah, I'll make the potion that'll save the day. No, like, I feel like he had to have done it. Yeah, no, uh, wait, so Snape making the potion for, sorry, I'm backtracking here, sorry, I was, I was not, no, Snape and overall, I think it definitely helped add to a little bit more why, uh, Snape hates Harry, 
Though it's at, for once, Harry notices maybe Sate doesn't absolutely hate me because the way he looks at Lupin is just pure disgust, and like worse than what he whatever whatever he looks at Harry. So it's like, oh god, what the hell happened here? And then uh, yeah, totally Dumbledore was to like, Snape, make a potion for Remus. There, give me a good boy. Do I have to? Yes. Now pay attention. Do it. Do it now. Do you want that vacation? Yes, but there you go. <laughs> That's funny. Or just give him an extra pay raise or something like that to deal with that. Shit. Probably just kind of <laughs> guilted him. Probably just like, remember. What would, what would Lily do? <laughs> You're supposed to be on the good side now, Snape. I'm not going out there. The show must go on. Damn you. Damn you in that phrase. <laughs> he has like a little, Snape has a little bracelet. It's like, what would Lily do? <laughs> like, <laughs> It's an ankle bracelet. It's not a wristband. <laughs> That's what it is. Sensual <laughs> leg. It's on his sensual leg. It's <laughs> the real reason he was so upset. He got cut by the three dog. He's he's trying to show. He's trying to tell Harry how much he really cares about it by showing the lily anklet he's got going he has on. Like a little lily tattoo. Oh, he definitely has a lily tattoo somewhere. Do do not know where. He has a tramp stamp of a doe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally the mental picture of Snape with a tramp stamp. Like, what is, he would have had to literally like flip up his cloak above his head for the artist to like get, unless they do it different in the Wizarding World, because you don't really see anybody with tattoos. No, not yeah. really. Yeah. Other than the dark mark. Yeah, the dark mark. Oh, oh. kind of curious if J.K. is like against tattoos because that's interesting that the only people that use tattoos are the worst people in the Harry Potter universe. But also, I think this may be in, in, in addition to the movie, but like Gary Oldman, like serious black has tattoos. On, oh, but yeah, I wonder but if that that's was, just... That was creative liberty because that's... Yeah. They're never... Prison characters. Like, I mean, he looked it. awesome with those tattoos. Like, that was super badass, mm-hmm. but... But I, I was kind of like wondering, like, what is it Gary Oldman look like when he goes home? He takes everything off. Yeah, like, what does Gary actually look like? That's the uh, real question. Because even when you look up Gary, like, you you literally don't know which one's Gary. <laughs> and it's like you like that, or like dress from True Romance, or what's his name from uh, The Professional, or yeah. James Gordon in the Dark Knight movies. Literally changes. All Total the time. chameleon. He is a real life Tonks. Yes, yeah. and is. Um, I don't think he has an Oscar yet, does he? I don't think so. He, I think he was nominated for. I'm I think saying... he was nominated for Tinker Tailor to- Soldier Spy. Yes. Holy shit! I was able to do that in one. I know go. that was always the worst when I had to work for that, and like, I was like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy I sold out, but I had to say it like really quick, and people were like, "What?" And I'm like <laughs> screaming to like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy sold out. Sold out. Yeah. <laughs> you just got to do it in sing song. Between Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and. In- uh, Inglorious Bastards were the two of my least favorite to have to yell that they were sold out. Especially but, with my list, like that. It no, no. Yeah, but <laughs> but I understand when you saying have to say Inglorious Bastards all the time because that's my least favorite Tarantino movie. So and I, I have a lot of problems. with Oh, that. speaking of Tarantino, it's kind of funny that uh, that he just happened to be brought up when you said like how there's like all three chapters of that like dedicated to the shrieking sa- shack oh my god i can't <laughs> talk shrieking today. Sack. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> he has that tattoo as well somewhere yeah, on his somewhere. body um like i when you said that there really should have been more i pictured 
Tarantino having done that scene. And can you imagine how in-depth it would have been if it was, it literally kind of would have been like the Hateful Eight where this is just talking and talking and talking. Yeah. So Gary Oldman was only nominated once for an Academy Award. He has 24 wins of 41 nominations overall. Wow. Yeah. Well, what was he nominated for? The uh, best performer, uh, best leading actor, Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy. Two points for me. I could not read it. I could not watch it. Just for the record, I could not get through it. I couldn't. It's a very, I heard it's a tough set. Like literally, and it's like I want to, but every time I turn it on, next thing I know, I like wake up and like the on demand logo was like. <laughs> he was not the like give up. Air Force One? Yeah, he's the terrorist. God, it, why am I learning this now? I'm telling it, it's you. Revelation Theater he, for Dakota right now. Literally. <laughs> he opened up his Dakota ring. <laughs> I was going to like whisper it to you, but it's funny that you were on the same thought path. Clearance, uh, Clearance Clarence or whatever that name. Clearance Clarence, huh? The yeah. Tiffany guy? Yeah. Yeah. What's that called? Clearance Clarence? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, how, that's how you're feeling right now? <gasps> oh, like, oh my God. <laughs> I would think I found a Transformer. Gary opened the Transformer, guys. Sorry. Oh, God. <laughs> um, what were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were going on about Snape and stuff like that. Oh, but yeah. let's get into some of the biggest parts of this book, the Quidditch matches. Okay. So this is actually um, – the first Quidditch match has more depth than the second one, in my opinion, uh, because the first one kind of shows that how really sensitive Harry is – to um to the Dementors and also shows how the disgust of Dumbledore uh, the disgust of Dumbledore towards them because as soon as they stormed the field and Harry was plummeting Dumbledore just went had a total freak yeah, out angry Dumbledore Patronus the shit out of all of them caught Harry mid fall and just fucking like marched him up to like the tower because he's like okay this guy's fucked up. I could always. I, I wish I could to see it. Just like him catching him with like magic from his hand, while other hands using the Patronus charm and his wand, just like and not looking at Harry, just like yeah, just behind his head. And you know the whole time that that Dumbledore is really against them, and for a fucking really good reason. Like they're terrible a, creatures. A school full of fucking kids. Let's put the things that we guard our prison with, and not understand why the headmaster's having a problem. Like. Can you imagine, like, if we literally had prison guards and prison rules in, like, elementary schools in America, like, what kind of uproar that would cause? But meanwhile, like, they're like, I don't understand why Dumbledore is not too happy about this. So, yeah, when he, when Angry Dumbledore comes out, that's when I picture, like, you know, like, Michael Gammon when he, like, rips Harry, like, did you push your name? And that's what I picture every time I read it now. Um, And Just him, like, fuming. And I... And poor Oliver Wood, because this is his last year, and for them to start the season off the with, with this. The description of when Harry wakes up and, like, his entire team, yeah. but Wood is there, and Fred's like, he's still in the showers. Drowning I think himself. he's trying to drown himself. Just the image of yeah. Wood just, like. In all he- fairness, they should have redone that match. Like, I don't know. Even I don't even think they go through it in Quidditch throughout the ages, but, like. 
that's an outside force coming well, in. That's they, not like a part of the game. They mentioned that uh, Cedric Diggory caught Try- the snitch as soon as Harry and fell he was off trying the room. to like, and yeah. he was like, no, 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 no. Yeah. it's like they, they let it go. Yeah. But that's my that was kind of like my biggest qualm with the whole thing because I can understand like, all right, like your keeper gets knocked off the broom and like that's a different story. But you have an outside source. Like, these are external. Oh my god, why can't I talk to you? Extenuating extenuating circumstances right there that's what i'm trying to say okay perfect thank you for reading my mind but yeah like that's literally dementors ruin the match and much different than the second one where fake dementors ruin the match like that's students interfering and then here's fucking dementors ruining the match you could argue that um just because harry has a is the only one, only known player with an extreme reaction, a reaction to Dementors that they can't really make an exception to that. But um, so sh- I, I just think it should have been a no. Rematch. I, I agree with you, but I mean, it, the match also serves a point of ha- just how like how drawn to like this happy energy that the Dementors are, mm-hmm. and also see like how. Yeah, it's a feast will... for them. Yeah, and then it also does set up the whole point of Harry getting the firebolt later on. And you know what, too. Um... That can you imagine if Harry had died from that fall? Like if he Ooh. had died, how fucking much trouble Fudge would have been for making that? Oh my god! The Wizarding World would have like literally brought out fucking McNair to chop his head <laughs> off. I get I get to cut a human's head right? off today. <laughs> like can like I'm pretty sure like he would have to like never leave his house because they'd avada cadaver him. Like, yeah, I, I mean. I mean, well, A, I think the school probably would have been shut down because you got two deaths within 50 years of it. It would probably, at least Dumbledore would probably be taken out as the head, head of the school. If well, it was see, I don't know if they would have took him out because of the fact that this, he, from the get-go, said it wasn't a yes. good idea. Yes, if he, if he was that apprehensive, however, he should yeah. have had contingency plans that well, something like this know, happened and he was unable to do, prevent it. The mentors act on their own to go to this Quidditch match. Which is mm. scary. Which is really scary. On their own, which is why he was even more pissed off by the Because the they were given strict fucking orders and they didn't listen. Yeah. But I mean, like, okay, save it wasn't Dementors. What if it was Giants? Like, two Giants came but down the mountain the and started... At the same time, because the Giants are just as unpredictable. Well, that's, like, when Voldemort takes over and he brings... It's Giants, it's Dementors. Like, all those creatures that these people, like, the wizards take for granted and don't realize, like, they're their own entities and mm. mistreat. Um, that comes back to bite them in the ass. Yeah. So, like, they literally underestimate the Dementors. So, they're like, yeah, it's totally safe. They follow orders. No, no, no. They don't follow orders. They tolerate they, you. They go where the food is and you're giving them food in Azkaban so they're okay with it but you know now you're putting them literally it's like it's like putting a person on like the biggest loser uh, to work in a donut shop like you're literally tempting them with a good time yeah and uh, it, it definitely seems like the first match was a definite setup to have for the third match because the third match of them actually winning was no because they played, two. They played three Right, I'm an idiot. Yeah, because there's the fake Dementors and there's the actual World Cup winning. Because House Cup, you keep saying World Cup. I, I That's next book. I know, I apologize. Sorry, um, memory. So it's uh, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, then Slytherin for the Cup? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because Slytherin lost to Ravenclaw. Gotcha. And it, but I think 
the disappointing feelings you have with the first match makes the third match that much more powerful. Oh, when yeah. They You're biting your nails yeah. to see what as you're reading and then like and then having and just getting the firebolt and then having okay Hermione was in the right for to an degree to suspect the firebolt but do you think she was in the right the right way yes backsiding that and telling McGonagall Uh, it makes sense for Hermione it just Mm -hmm. I understand why Matt how mad they were Especially because Hermione never quite understood how important Quidditch is to these two. Because Hermione never quite liked flying. Which, I mean, is, she, I think that's pretty fair for a muggle-born to not like flying. Like, she never, well, she never, she wasn't, like. Because she didn't like the, when we do the theestrals. Thestrals. Thank you. Um, this is my hooked on phonics. Not working <laughs> for me. Um, but she didn't like flying on that. She didn't like flying on Buckbeach. She didn't like flying on the broom. She never liked flying. Yeah. Like, I think even apparating, I don't think she actually excelled at it as easily as everybody else seemed to have gotten it. I don't remember that. Yeah, I would I have to like reread that. Go that well. But um, no, I agree with you. Um, she obviously doesn't uh, get, quite get it. She was in the right to suspect, like, okay, it could be another plot. Yeah. But she. In all fairness, who spends that much money on revenge? You know, that's a lot of money. That is a lot of thing. And then uh, Wood does bring up a good point where it's like we would have heard uh, the the Quidditch uh, store being broke broken into if that was the case. However, I mean, now we we know that Crookshanks, like they mailed in an order form. For yeah, him. order form with uh, Black's account number on it. Yeah. However, but then like how how far would somebody go for revenge? You just look at the plot of Dark Knight Rises. Like it's killing her father. That's why she's able to this entire thing for yes. Even though it was probably cheaper to buy uh, ten nuclear weapons than to dump everything in that fuse. So, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm, no, I'm, you're right. Yeah, I know. I see what you're saying. Because, but I mean, at the, that's a contrived plot. Though. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's just a different element. Whereas, um, and it's and then yeah, I. I understand why she couldn't convince Harry and Ron that. But they what have if to she was right and he died because of the bu- firebolts? Oh man, she'd never forgive Ron. No, and I don't think Ron would forgive himself. Honestly, yeah, no, Ron would beat himself up. He'd probably end up in like St. Mungo's or something. Like, yeah, he would become probably yeah. like Hagrid. He'd probably end up becoming an alcoholic later in life. Yeah, knowing the most famous wizard of our age, and I killed him because. I was stupid about my it. My best friend. I yeah. don't even think he would say my famous. I think he'd yeah, say my best friend. Yeah, he would friend. say my best friend first. It's like kind of like those like people who are driving drunk with their friend in the car and the friend doesn't make it and they do. Like you live with – you're literally carrying yep. the guilt of that every day. I watched like – it's like an MTV like series that only played like three episodes but like a girl like went to prison for it. She's like we were both drunk and I was the less of two and she's like we got followed after the, the club and like – the guy like literally ran us off the road, but you know, she was taller than me. So when the, the roof collapsed it. And so like, can you imagine like you literally, not only are you killing your best friend, but you're going to jail, you're doing this. So like, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. If, if Hermione was right and something was wrong with that. And, um, I also think it took them a little longer than it should take really clever wizards and witches to check out. They were, they were, I think they what they did was they checked it like multiple times. times over. Yeah. It's just like, well, maybe we didn't do the correct spell on this. Uh, yeah. So, so you had like pretty much every professor in the school like dissect the shit out of it. But also, it could have been it could have been cleared like a week before, and McGonagall wanted could have 
lifted their spears by giving it back the day before. Or it could just be a contrivance for the story to make it that much more powerful going into that match. It's, you know, McGonagall, uh, McGonagall cares just as much about the House Cup as, as Oliver Wood does. Like they're, Which is so funny because you wouldn't picture McGonagall. Yeah, she's so stiff Quidditch. and then she's like a Quidditch fanatic. Yeah, like it, it's so like I really don't think she did it to be. No, she could give the room right back to Harry. She would have done it as soon as possible yeah. so he can actually practice on it. But also, you have that those feelings of triumph in the second match of like the fake Dementors attack, and then Harry's like, "I I shot a Patronus. It, it kind of worked." Like, well, you shot a Patronus. He was yeah. happy, but but then you just look at the three the three dumbasses like all tangled See, in, in what cloaks I don't get together. Is with that now everyone knowing how severe Harry's reaction is to it. Why were they not in more trouble than they Oh, they, 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 that would probably be like a month's worth of detention to probably be on Yeah, like, I, I, from what I, it didn't really go into much detail, but, like, that's something that, like, you literally could have killed him. Yeah. Because you, everybody saw him fall off his room last time. Like, right. So, if, that's another one. If he had died, can you imagine, like, the uproar? It would yeah, have been? The, the Malfoys would definitely have something to answer to, but mm-hmm. I feel like they would not be in much trouble as, like, Crabbe and Goyle's family. Yeah. But I also feel like during that second match, probably every teacher had their hand on their wands just, during, in, case. just in case of that match. Just oh, like, yeah, they probably had, like, a perimeter set up. Yeah, yeah and, like, like Professor Flitwick having to, like, he had to go retrieve the, uh, the, the Nimbus 2000. He loses his Nimbus 2000 after the first match, after he goes careening into the Whomping Willow, which broke it into splinters. And... Everybody must have been on, and because I've, we only get to see Lupin being very proud of Harry using Patronus and, and during that. But yeah, I think, what if your Dumbledore is like watching, like making sure, and all of a sudden he uses Patronus? Oh, yeah. He's probably like, you know, Whoa. Dumbledore, because well, I mean, Dumbledore knew from the get go that a little bit of Voldemort was put into Harry. Like yes. Harry, like he had this all kind of spelt out. So I think he knew that he was going to be really talented and he could handle magic that like an average uh, kid his age couldn't. But right, go ahead. okay, verdict on what McGonagall gave uh, Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle: um, detention for all of them and fifty points from Slytherin. See, and that I was... think that's actually a really minor punishment. Yeah, because. Goggle has given mm-hmm. points, fifty points each to Harry, Ron, and Hermione, and Neville, yeah. and multiple detentions and stuff like that. So it's like that seems mm-hmm. like they just got off. Personally, light. I think he should have been expelled off of the Quidditch team. Like I think they should have been banned from Quidditch yeah. matches. But I also Snape would have caused an uproar with that. Though. Not even that. I don't think it's Snape. I it's his father. His I think a, a degree. Of, because, like, I had an employee once who we didn't like to write up, even though he's an awful employee, because every time we write up, his mother would get on the phone. And I was like, man, like, your son's 18. You, I don't have to discuss this with you. Mm-hmm. I'm getting screamed at for doing my job. But, like, um, so I think they probably were, like, easier about uh, disciplining Malfoy. But I do still think that's really light compared to... Uh, so, I'm sorry, Dakota. Is so distracting. I'm sorry, my phone just died. Uh, oh, it's unfortunate. Can, can plug 
it on mine that's over there. Switch phones. Oh, yeah. Do you need my phone? Te- don't do that. Never mind. I thought about it. Yeah. I'm texting you from Nikki's phone. Oh, <laughs> Okay, now that we did this technology thing. Oh, no, it's because you have a crazy case. I don't, no, it's an easy case. No, yours is crazy. How's it crazy? Yours Look, is he's crazy. struggling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not on the bottom disposal squad for a reason, damn it. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, so I think they punished him less, but that, that definitely was... How hard was that? Fuck you. That was way too minor of a punishment. <sighs> don't fall in. See you in three years. <laughs> I had a friend of mine, like, I said that to him, don't fall in, and he did fall in. <laughs> so that's oh why I always prompt every friend saying that. Um, yeah, so and then the third, the third uh, match, everything goes off without a hitch. They win the House Cup, and just pure elation, pure joy. You're just like, oh, oh, my God. You just feel like they've you broke something off for Harry and everybody mm-hmm. at that point. However, Hermione doesn't get a chance to... Yeah, um, celebrated because Ron throws in her face like your yeah. cat killed my rat, and she's like runs off in tears. And I'm just like, poor Hermione never gets invited to the party. Yeah, and that's the same night where, it, well, and it's funny. It's almost like the story gets his come like Ron has kind of has come up into a little bit with uh, Sirius scaring the shit out of him that night coming in with the knife because they because I remember they go same for, night yeah because yeah, they they partied into the wee hours in the morning McGonagall had to come and shut that shit down like it was a, a kegger gone awry and he he gets the shit scared around him by uh serious now while we wait for uh, our, our, our so guest funny. our guest to get out of the the shitter now um <laughs> that was an awkward thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, oh, there we go. Hi. Hi. Time Turner. Hi, feelings on the Time Turner um, in this book. I know you have stronger feelings on the Time Turner than I do. Uh, I don't hate the Time Turner. I think it would make a, a thousand and ten percent sense that the Ministry of Magic would have con- complete control over who gets to access time, um, especially since the consequences could, can be so dire. Um, and you, you learn, like, with the Anna, la, 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 when you can turn yourself into an animal, uh, you have to literally be on a list so that they can make sure. And just, like, passing your apparition test, they they keep checks on these things because they want to make sure um, that wizards are safe and that, you know, muggles are safe, that everybody's safe. Um, and so... I like the idea of the time turtle. I think it's it would make sense for wizards to be able to change time so easily. You literally it's just you flip a, a dial. It's so quick, but it's so detrimental. Like you literally can cause yourself to go insane. Mm. So I, I know, yeah, you're gonna like have a whole thing about it, but it it, it didn't bother me. Um, and it made sense to me that Hermione would be the one. Who would have that kind of power? Who they would trust with something like that? Because let's face it, Hermione's probably the most responsible student at Hogwarts. No, I agree with you. That it would make sense for any if of any wizard to have it. It would be Hermione. But at the same time, I even had to ask you off microphone, like what was it last week or something like that? How if to avoid a paradox? How come uh, Hermione? can go to all these multiple classes but where does she become one person again yeah she literally has to meet up with her like uh other time self 
at the exact same place that she changed times. So uh, say like it was the potions dungeon and she was right outside the classroom. She would have to give herself enough time to run there and change, which is why she was always super out of breath when you see her like rushing from classes. And it's like, wasn't her money just behind me? Um, it's because she's literally going from like polar opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, I mean, it's a very complicated. I mean, it's right. It has to be complicated yeah. because it gives the weight of this is some serious magic and a lot of stuff yeah. could go horribly wrong. But at the same time, it's almost feels overly complicated to like where I'm 24 years old and I'm having a problem problem fully grasping the concept of this so a kid reading this would probably go right over his head see I think that was the point too I think it was sculpted in a way that it you would understand the complexity of it and not look too much into it um because I think in order to do time travel in a kid's book in a way that's accessible to kids uh, you have to make it like, hey, this is going to be really hard to understand, so just roll with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's more so what she did. Much like the TARDIS and, and the time machine in Back to the Future, we don't get into the real mechanics of how you go through space and time. It just does what it does. It, it just does for the sake of it. Like, how does this work? I'll explain later, and then I'll get back to it. Yeah. My problem is Harry and Hermione go back in time in order to prevent – um, serious die from the Dementors after being captured and preventing Buckbeak from being executed. They save Buckbeak. They stand there for an X amount of minutes before Snape shows up. Harry could have darted out, grabbed the invisibility cloak, and got back to his... Put that on! And then just walk back to his place where he was before Snape got there and could have prevented so much right there. Or running into the Shrieking Shack and say... Just listen to me. Sure, you're you're running into your older self, and you could cause a parallel, uh, a, a, an anomaly, and then destroy the entire universe. To quote Doc, uh, Doc Brown, but you've already taken a risk of already bringing X amount of mass to that uni- like universe, having more, having two versions of Harry there at the same time. You bring so many kind of complications to that that you kind of like that's any every time travel story. I just wish they weren't so stagnant once they gone back in time. They just literally stand around for hours until the events play out. See, I think they said that's a rule that you really cannot yeah, change. Yeah, like it like was that. a condition of her having it, and I think a, a majority of the reason why they are so stagnant is because it's not that if they see themselves, like especially Hermione, would be super aware. Like, oops, that's earlier me. Got to get on here, um, but. I think it's because if somebody else sees you, like if Fudge had run into uh, Double Harry and Hermione, now you're literally creating an, a, a, a duel, like a parallel one there. And like even like Hagrid comes like drunkenly stumbling past where uh, future Harry and um, Hermione are sitting. And it's like, see, Hagrid would have, and then he would imagine he yelled at them and was like, go to the castle. And then the whole reason that they came back to, everything they came back to do they couldn't do because now they have to play into this line almost kind of like you know when like harry does the felix uh phil felix fancy thank you uh i just can't talk today i apologize <laughs> great day for a podcast and you can't talk um but i'm rolling with it uh rolling, rolling down the river. I, will, I set that up didn't i uh but yeah like even when he's going through with all that like 
that was everything that happened. He had to react like he just reacted accordingly. He went with everything that happened. So if that was to happen, he, while he's doing that, then while he's doing this, when they do finally get to meet back with their, their time traveling selves, they're going to have like, wait, what happened? What did this like, does this make any sense? Or am I literally just babbling? Did I lose you? Yeah. Damn it. I was so close. It's the rolling down the river that really <laughs> matched. <laughs> yes, playing Tina Turner. And, yeah, and, damn it, Tina. <laughs> Where's Ike? Where did, did I lose I, you? I, I... <laughs> Roll it back for having, me. having both sets of memories of how things could yeah. have gone. But that's every time travel story. Like, one of the best DC animated movies was uh, Flashpoint, where Flash goes to another dimension where everything's upside down, where... Like, for instance, Bruce Wayne died the night of his and his parents lived. His father becomes Batman and his mother became the Joker after she loses her mind after her son. What? And, this is crazy. And then once he resets everything, he's like, I can remember both things. I remember having my mother in my life and then I remember her not being in my life. And he has to live with those two sets of memories now existing yeah. in him. And, it, and Batman oof. says, well, aren't you fortunate? Yeah. yeah. And like, it, but it also, it wouldn't be just harry and hermione having those two sets it would be these other characters it's like hagrid would be like there's no way you did what you said you did because yeah. so now you're literally just getting complicated more complicated um it's just like layering it on because it's like now well snape's gonna be like no i saw them and it's like no i saw them so like they have to make sure they're not seen because it just changes everything i mean the, the... Ministry of Magic obviously has that squad for to take care of like magical mishaps. Yeah, but they so, try not to do that with like in the wizarding, wizarding world. world. But I think that would be a, like an extreme case. Like, oh like shit, a- time just got messed up here, so we have to go back in and erase some some memories and. Stop, but then in out. turn, you'd have to do more. T- like, I feel like the best way to erase it to make sure it didn't happen, and you'd have to do more time traveling. You literally just have to keep going and going and going, and it'd be this really time vicious time it. circle. You just time lock it, like it's you know, like it's like or okay, attention, all like uh, time turner holders. This time and this date is now a travel blackout date, yeah. and like you know, like. I feel like that's literally, it's, just speaking of the, the magical maladies, like, squad, I picture them as men in black. Like they yeah, in pretty with much like with a neuralizer, yeah. Um, but my favorite, my the issues I have with the time turn in the story aside, has one of my favorite images from the fifth book, is when they're in the Ministry of Magic battling the Death Eaters, where one of them is stumbles back into where the keep all the time turns and it breaks, mm-hmm. and it keeps repairing itself. And then breaking again, it keeps repairing itself, and it gets stuck in that loop. And I'm just imagining this hourglasses is being torn apart, then repurposing themselves. But it's not the biggest complaint I have with this Harry Potter series. My biggest complaint actually comes in the next book, in Goblet of Fire. The biggest, my biggest issue in any of the Harry Potter ones comes in that. But we'll get to that there. Um. We'll do best moments, worst moments, and then we'll do our summation. So if you can choose... We're already at the summation. I feel like we didn't talk about half this book. Oh, my God. This is going to get bad when we start talking about the later books. I mean, we're like like an hour and 40 minutes into it. And I feel like we didn't really... I, I, I mean, uh, what, like, what would you like to talk about? No, like, we don't talk about how, like, it's really Peter Pettigrew that betrayed his parents. True. Like, mention it. We don't talk about, like, uh, how Remus didn't even trust his own friend. You don't... What else did we not talk about? Oh, my God. The floor is so yours much. since you're bringing it no, up. No, I'm just saying, like, I feel like we really didn't 
and this is actually scaring me a little bit because what are we going to do with the later books? So if we can't cover it on like what, how many pages is there? Like four, not even 400. That's, why, that's when I first started talking about like yeah. the, the whole sum, summary of it. It's just, there's so many like subplots Plots. going on and like, it just, it's so hard to like cover every single one of them. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm literally like panicking. Oh no. Our listeners, they won't get this moment. Um, or even like how gung ho Fudge was to let Sirius get the freaking uh, Dementor's kiss, and how like that's a okay punishment to people. Like they're literally sucking out their souls. And then we didn't talk about how like Buckbeat gets saved too. There's like two innocent lives. We didn't talk about all this stuff. <laughs> uh, Dementors. Uh, well, later on in the books, we, we obviously we know that uh, Dumbledore and. Uh... Um, Nicholas Flamel make the Sorcerer's Stone mm -hmm. and based on certain things that we know about how to make a Sorcerer's Stone or Philosopher's Stone it takes human lives to to do it mm -hmm. uh, so we don't know if that's like human souls or human lives but then we just figured that like okay if the Dementors perform the kisses on people now their shells are just there oh. would it be just humane to just like kind of like get rid of them so Tim like, and I had this back and forth like yeah. when there were Nicholas Flamel and Dumbledore were fucking around with with a <laughs> I'm sorry my phone just <laughs> vibrated on the edge of the chair and then flopped over and we all watched it and then <laughs> Tim slapped his head uh, just in case you were wondering what was going on while we all left randomly in the middle of Dakota's <laughs> story <laughs> where was I? Yeah, that's a great question <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest I was reading an article really quickly while you were talking <laughs> uh, well uh, the I shells so, of human I feel so loved you were speaking you okay? I know where you, we you were. You went to the bathroom in the midst of our conversation, know, all right? He left so us alone and we he left to wait us for you, and that's he why left we didn't. Us. <laughs> that's not we didn't even get to cover gonna... all the stuff because you went to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> no bullshit. Is what's in the bathroom? while you left in there. But, oh, that's how I was going on the microphones right now. <laughs> um, yeah, you got. You might need to get a plunger in there sometimes. Oh, uh, looks could kill. Um, but you were saying how uh, you don't know if it was human souls or human. Uh, bodies that were human used lives. to make human lives like the that, that to make them yeah imagine like there's like overcrowding at uh Azkaban, so they're just like here you go Flamel, have fun go create some like it might be because these are just it might all might be just better Ooh. just to like end their the That's... lives the soulless bodies lives and my god the wizarding finger. world is getting like darker yeah it gets really fucked up the more you yeah. think about it like there's like... i could just imagine nicholas Flamel just just destroying people drinking their blood and stuff like that just make him just sound like such a alistair crowley that's what i'm trying to like some of up being Whoa. which it's possible it's quite that possible like because we brought that up in the our very first podcast about harry potter that it takes a lot of dark magic to create a sorcerer's stone mm -hmm. or philosopher's stone if yeah, you're you want yeah. yeah so it wouldn't like it like even in Deathly Hallows, Albus Dumbledore's brother brings up the fact, did you really know who my brother really was? Because he had so much dark side to him, so I could see him and Flamel just fucking around just making really dark stuff and stuff like for the shits and giggles. Uh, you know... You want to see this guy's legs come through his eye socket? Yes! <laughs> I, not, maybe not. Maybe not that vehement, likely evil, but... Yeah, and especially, what's his name? Gandal... Gand... Mm. That's that's Legend of Zelda, not Gandalf. You know the one that I'm talking about, Grindelwald. Uh, Griswold's BFF. Oh, my computer died. God 
Damn it, Dakota. Oh. <laughs> Christ on a cross, you just... Get up on my phone because it vibrated away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here, motherfucker. <laughs> One damn Maybe text message. But I'm just saying, fucking. like, part of me wants to believe that Dumbledore would never really be a part of something that's like dark. But then there's you realize that there's so much more to Dumbledore than we'll ever you truly get to know. For for the sake of learning, staff. Yeah, like a Hermione, like where the line got a little blurred. Yeah. Because, yeah, what I had said earlier was, um, what, like I said, how Tim had said, like, oh, she wouldn't break the rules, um, was that the means would justify the ends and that since she considers it for learning and that was her only purpose, uh, she'd be okay with it. Um, so, I mean, there is the chance that Dumbledore viewed that very same way. Um, but then I don't understand why he'd be quite so tough on um, Tom Riddle. Because he had the exact same curiosity of like the ends yeah, justify just, the means. I just think he had more of a predisposition uh, for <laughs> dark arts. But since you brought P- uh, Peter Pettigrew before, Peter Pettigrew, yeah. who actually is was the Potter's secret keeper, the person who, if they are entrusted with the secret of hiding two people, will never be able to find out where these people are if they're in hiding. And they won't be able to get the information from him unless he voluntarily tells somebody. Mm-hmm. Even and, with the Crucio Cruciatus curse, they probably wouldn't. He wouldn't. Uh, probably wouldn't. Oh no! I I'd imagine most weak people would be able to tell. Because the whole my whole thing with Peter Pettigrew is that originally they picked Sirius Black, and everybody's like, "We know it was Sirius Black. We know he was the secret keeper." That's an awful person to give your secret to if everyone knows that you would pick Sirius Black. And given Sirius is the type of badass who really would, like, take a secret to a grave, like, if he would be a really good pirate, like, in my opinion. He literally has a pirate name, too. Like, he literally could be a pirate because it's, like, you know, treasure or... Why was Gary... No, Gary didn't do any... Of the... The pirates, right? No, he... I think smartly... I, I honestly think he could have fit into that universe. Could he play Captain Jack? No. Yes, but because Gary Oldman and Johnny Depp are cut from the same cloth, in my opinion, yes, they're uh, really much com- like the chameleon aspect. Yeah. Um. Oh my God! Imagine like Johnny Depp has is carrying a piece of Gary Oldman's soul. Like he has a Horcrux, and that's why. Never mind. Um, There's fan fiction probably about that. Yeah, I'm sure. If not, somebody's going to write it. And maybe I should get on that. I was going to say, like, you're definitely going to be like, uh, you're going to be bored at work. Go home oh. like, <laughs> you're going to be like, Nikki, are you learning about beer? No, I'm writing fan fiction. Like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get the milk myself this yeah. time. Don't worry. <laughs> but, um, oh, my God, before I did the Gary Oldman as a pirate. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, so Sirius Black would have made a badass pirate. But Sirius would have died to keep the Potter safe. And... So, what I don't understand is why he trusted Peter better than he trusted Lupin, um, because they thought Lupin was the traitor. Yeah. But why would you think Lupin opposed to think Peter, who's... But I think they literally underestimated how cunning, how desperate Peter Pettigrew was for someone to basically hold his hand and say everything's going to be all right. Like, he picked the winning team. That's why he wasn't BFFs with Snape when they were at school, because why would you be BFFs with Snape when you can have this cool gang of, like, 
fucking badass wizards as yeah. your we're gonna be marauders motherfuckers you know yeah, I, can <laughs> see, I can see all of them especially peter throwing up gang signs on hogwarts yeah crowds, stuff that's like exactly that. what happened they threw up ancient runes <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> what is who does that uh mortal instruments they use runes they tattoo runes to their body fun little fun little fact about other oh. series of young adult uh fiction but Grindelwald. I did. I got somewhere close yeah, to that. Yeah, you were close to it. You were closer than both of us. Yeah. Yeah. Dakota didn't just fuck off for like the last five minutes. He was actually doing research for us. Yeah, this is what happens when your computer dies. Dakota. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just thinking, I'm just thinking of like yeah. big, big Lebowski. This is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass. Whack. Well, yeah, far, but yeah, I'm that's I'm taking it a little next level, but yeah, I just think Dumbledore has a uh, pension of picking people who he finds super clever um, before he realizes exactly what he gets into, and because um, even he's obsessed with Harry. What? Why are you looking at me like that? I just said that I have no idea what you were going to say, so I was just going to be like, "So what are we going to be talking about?" I know that <laughs> I'm just trying to cover all the plot notes. The reference is the SS officer, uh, SS officer from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark when he goes into the tent. <laughs> he's the interrogator for uh, uh, Mary, and he's the one who gets the uh, um, medallion uh, burned into his hand and stuff like that. Nikki does not look impressed by our nerdiness right here. Forget it. I don't want to cover all the plot points anymore. <laughs> Sirius Black is Sum a pirate. It up. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're talking about. We started about like Sirius Where's, Black as this pirate. Where's John Taffer when you need it. Shut it down. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Sirius Black would make a badass pirate. That's basically what you missed while you were researching. <laughs> And I was just like, dun, 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 and then imagine Gary Oldman. I'm just saying, Jeffrey again. Rush played like a really badass Barbosa. So if you had like Jeffrey Rush's Barbosa and Gary Oldman's whatever, or slash Sirius Black's whatever pirate name that he shall have, um, yeah, it, it, it works. I mean, Seri- right? It it's plays. a fucking pirate name. Uh, but uh, also, you entrust. Sorry, I got really loud about that. It's it's okay. You, you gotta go yarg it all the way home after that. I'm gonna go drink a fucking bottle of rum and yo ho my way to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yo ho your way up from sobriety right there. Uh, but like, uh, you can take that so many different ways too. Like I never realized how dirty that oh, saying is until. So yeah, it is really. It's like uncomfortably dirty. I didn't mean like. You know, but that's what. But that's also like when everybody's drinking something. I'm always like, yeah, you put that in your mouth, just because they're drinking something. They are putting it in their mouth, but of course, everybody's just like, oh, really? Because I have the maturity level of the reading, uh, supposed audience for these books. So that's yeah. that's how I justify. I think we it. all do. Um, <laughs> with Sirius being the supposed secret keeper, and I understand like. Everybody's going to expect, oh, he'd be the secret keeper and everything like that. Wouldn't you think it would be safer with him being the secret keeper rather than giving it to somebody else? See, and Dumbledore offered to do it. And this is what I don't get because, honestly, I probably would have picked Dumbledore over the obvious secret keeper as well. Because 
Nobody's going to be able to... Voldemort's not going to fucking touch Dumbledore. For whatever reason, Voldemort is scared to death of Dumbledore, and especially because, younger Dumbledore. Yeah, but also, I don't think he ever got past the teacher-student um, oh, oh my God, relationship right. between, the, yeah. between the two of them. Dynamic. I don't th- dynamic. I mean, even when we see in the pensive uh, flashback where we see him wanting to be a teacher there, he doesn't treat him as an adult. He treats him kind of like as a child when that moment. Talks down to him. Yeah. And, and even like saying like, what's this club you got running around that's hanging around the bar not too far from here? Like you're death eaters or whatever you call him. Do you want to get your phone? No, it's okay. I don't want to move the mic because I don't want to be Dakota. Oh, <laughs> dick. Ow. And so- Thank you. <laughs> I was just kidding. I didn't. Mean, I'm sorry. I pick on no. Dakota a lot. I don't mean to. It just happened. No, I'm never. I'm not coming back here anymore. You guys are me. Fuck you. That's not true. Mm-hmm. That's impossible. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you for getting my phone, Dakota. Search your feelings. You I feel connected now. No. Oh man. Good times. You didn't, you haven't uh, on him being Yeah. So, well, Dumbledore obviously would be, like, the absolute safest choice. I mean, by far, it's like, oh, don't need to worry about him. But I think the accessibility of him. Oh, like, he's such a public figure. He, well, he's so, well, not the fact, not that, just that, but, like, you, like, Lily and James need to, like, let people know where the hell they are. So Dumbledore is not always available to be like, oh, yeah. But I thought the whole idea of being a secret keeper is that you're literally going into hiding. Like, I think they were prepared to cut off. Someone's like witness protection. Yeah, but they also did that with the uh, Order of Phoenix base. And, like, everyone, like, Dumbledore was the secret yeah. keeper that he wrote, like. Yeah, but, go. like, um, the whole thing is, like, the Order of the Phoenix members started, like, getting picked off, like, one by one. So, like, I kind of almost think, like, it's better that no one knows. Because, uh-huh. especially, you don't. There's a leak, and you don't know who it is, and why Sirius thinks it's Remus. I don't get, but then again, Remus thinks it's Sirius. But I actually kind of understand that more because Sirius is kind of like a loose cannon. But like, um, I just don't think they would want people to know. I think they're well, like trying to raise their kid until the heat dies. Yeah, well, now. I think because the fact that like, okay, Dumbledore's never around and everything like that, and obviously it would be probably safest there, but he's never around. Sirius is obviously the obvious choice to go to. And uh, followed up by uh, Lupin. Mm. So Pettigrew, being as inept as he was, or seemingly as inept as he was, um, would probably be the not-so-obvious choice, which would probably be the safest out of the three of them. Because the other two could get captured and tortured to death. But Pettigrew, it's like, oh, why would they trust you? Yeah, but that's my thing, too, because, yeah, like... I can understand that. Like, you're like, all right, like, who's the least likely in this circle? But they never, like, almost kind of feel like Pettigrew was the Neville without actually being what Neville becomes. And so, like, I can't imagine Harry, like, in school going, like, yeah, let me give my my firebolt to Neville because he'll protect it. You know what I mean? Like, why would you protect Uh, your life from somebody you don't trust? If you... Well, I guess they did trust them if they did that, but... They should have made Pettigrew the secret keeper and then killed him. They should have made him the secret keeper and made him uh, take an unbreakable oath. Which definitely seems... That's how you know this wasn't written. The things the un- were written as yeah, they were going yeah. on. Otherwise, that would have been... 
Yeah. Perfectly. This is just hindsight talking now. Because they're not going to kill him. They're not going to do that. That's not Lillian James. But, like, I definitely think, and the fact of the matter is he wouldn't do it. And then they would know automatically he's a spy. Then they would have been able to kill him. And then they could have got a better secret keeper. And then this book series would have been. Hell, they could have, made, they could have made Hagrid the secret keeper at that uh, point. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, No, but that's the equivalent of Pettigrew and Hagrid. Like, you literally... Hagrid you would have gotten doesn't shit-faced. mean to tell his secrets. He yeah. just does. Whereas Pettigrew knew what he was doing and exploited that because he was scared and he literally like that's like probably one of the most despicable I w- things i wouldn't put it on the same level at all i mean hagrid is a lot of things but he's not like i just think as but, far as keeping the secret it's on the same level Yeah, but I why would they suspect pettigrew to all of a sudden just turn tail and go run to voldemort i mean they weren't expecting that yeah, but he was you would expect him them. to be tortured and not give you up when you know who he is as a person like these like it's literally like harry ron and hermione they spent thickest thieves spend all the time together literally turn into animals so that they can continue to spend all their time together they're gonna know him inside and out and they're gonna know that he's not strong enough for something that literally you're putting your life on the but line it's like, by it's agreeing one of those to. like blind gambles where it's like okay we obviously don't know he's not, definitely not strong enough to be held with a secret but if anyone else on the other side knows that the same thing they wouldn't bother with him so you would, you're gambling you that mm-hmm. that the the that Voldemort side is thinking the same exact way you're thinking. So they not just, realizing that not, the Voldemort side already has pedig. All right, yeah, I can see. I'm just it, oh, it's compli- it's complicated. It's complicated, and but, I mean, I guess you have to have because they are humans and they're they're so trusting, they're so loving, and they're gonna go with it. But. Was Snape on their side at this point? No. I don't think Snape was ever truly on their side. I think Snape was on Lily's. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he, I he didn't come Snape... to he didn't help Albus until after Lily's yeah. death. Okay, like he was played like a double. He was a double agent. Well, it wasn't a surprise. For, it wasn't a secret that he was working with Voldemort up to that point. But he came running to Dumbledore as soon as like he's going to kill Lily and James. He's going to kill Lily. Yeah, and it's like. Are you sure about that? It's like yes, yeah. Uh, but so that was like so that's why Dumbledore was like, you gotta, gotta get a secret keeper. Yeah, you gotta go into hiding and get a secret keeper right now. And then when Voldemort found out through Pettigrew, with Snape withheld the fact that Pettigrew was the insider. I don't even think Snape knew at that point. Um, and came back as like I told him not to kill Lily and everything like that. That's when he switched. Yeah. So I think he was. He was 90% on Voldemort's side, but held Dumbledore with such high respect that he would still, like... And you know what it is? Voldemort really wouldn't have killed Lily. Like, I actually he wasn't think going he to. really, like... She wouldn't get out of the way. She wouldn't yeah. get out of the way. And that's, I mean, that says to who they were as a, as people. Um, but that also kind of yeah. showed that Voldemort's, like, actual... I mean, Voldemort's all about himself. He's very honest. That, well, I think that, that actually it. pissed him off more because of his own mother. His own mother didn't choose uh, him over herself. She gave him away. She she was so devastated that uh, Marvolo wouldn't wasn't about it. Yeah, but I mean, but not t- Marvolo. But that was like almost like kind of a reward for Snape, like because you've done such a good job for me. Like I will spare Lily for mm-hmm. you, and then obviously, like, well, I was, but she was being a dick, and so I had to kill her. Yeah. I mean, James already put up 
a fight against him. So he's probably already a little pissed off that it wasn't a, a simple conversation. I simple... think he gets super emotional, like, which sounds ridiculous because I think, like, especially in the movies he's played is really oh. emotional, like, super dramatic. I but I think ex- more he's pretty level-headed. I think he was expecting – he was going to kill James tomorrow. Yeah, James was dying. But Lily was I, – I agree. Like, I think Lily was going to be saved for that reason. And, like, he, he has no problem telling Harry, knowing what that'll feel like, you know, like t- – Voldemort is in the same fucking shoes as Harry because literally they were treated the exact same way. But it just bothers me that, you know, somebody, I, I, maybe that's just more, it just bothers me because it just bothers me in our world, not just the wizarding world, is that they trusted someone so much and they gave it to someone they know is a weak person. Like I have friends, love them to death, but I won't tell them my deepest, darkest secrets because I know oh, it'll totally. get out. Yeah. And there's a difference between being like a Hagrid where it comes out in accident and then being he doesn't malicious. Mean to, he doesn't yeah. mean to do it. Yeah. No, but my theory is the whole the whole bluff. Like Yeah, just, so they just thought it would be the best diversion to action. Yeah, because the the obvious choice would be serious serious and why why trust Pettigrew because uh-huh. he's so incompetent. And that goes back to what you were saying about Sirius being so uh, impulsive to him. It was just that if he had been smart about it, he could have exposed Pettigrew as being on Voldemort's side as being the real reason that instead he just goes and blows up. Yeah. He acted on his emotions. Yeah. And I mean, can you really blame him? Like he was the reason they convinced it's almost like what we said with Ron. Like if Ron had been the reason to kill Harry at the same time, it would have been really difficult for Sirius to like, Oh shit. Not like everyone thought, including Dumbledore that, um, that I was that was the secret keeper. Everyone thought that. So I mean, obviously, your first re- your gut react his reaction was, "Let's go." I'm going to fucking yeah. kill Pettigrew. But his re- first reaction is, "I gotta go. Gotta go to Dumbledore right now." And he, yeah, and that's what I don't get. Like, I mean, I think it's we have to keep in the fact this is a children's book. Yeah. But I mean, not saying that it should be that should just be excuse of like plot holes or anything like that. However, I, I, I probably would have moved the Potters after making a Secret Keeper. Still, without the Secret Keeper's knowledge. But I thought the whole reason you had a Secret Keeper is in order to make the, the charm work. Yeah. Like they have to know where you were. They were the person that goes back and forth. They were the, they were the person feeding them. Like right. the lifeline. Right. I don't know. I just feel like, A, I wouldn't have kept them out in the world. I probably... Bring him to the safest place. I mean, we're talking about things that happened later in the books and stuff like that. Or actually, technically, this happened earlier before the book started. Yeah. I wouldn't have kept the Potters out in the world. I would have brought them to the Ministry of Magic. Or I would have brought them to Hogwarts. Some place that so would... So you can't bring them to the Ministry of Magic because it's infiltrated with... Death Eaters. Yeah. yeah and they have... There's, like, no this, place safe other than Hogwarts. Shit going down, they have to live their own lives. Yes. Yeah, how are you, you can't live, and it's like you can't. Oh, it's like all right, you can live in Hogsmeade, but even then, you're super easy to access for anybody with any kind of magical yeah. abilities. And it's like you can't bring them to the Ministry because literally, even when the Ministry is cleaned up, it's still not cleaned up. Look at no. Lucius is running around like he like owns the place, and um, yeah, and so well, there there was just no place for them to go. And I, I someone's gonna really fucking say like they literally not only were they. 
murdered, but they were murdered because one of their best and truest friends. It's the Greek tragedy kind yeah. of really comes to fruition there. Now, you brought up a good point. Hogsmeade as a, as a place to go. Look, see, look at all the things we didn't talk about, Tim. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Mic drop. Just kidding. Boom. These are expensive. <laughs> Anyway, go back to Hogsmeade. Hogsmeade. Hogsmeade, Tim. Hogsmeade. No, 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 no. Since you brought it up in conversation, you could start. The- no, but you. I don't know where you, exactly you were so leading Hogsmeade the conversation. Hogsmeade is so. the oh, it's the last remaining strictly wizarding uh, development in in uh, the UK. Is pretty much what it is, and it's right outside the steps of the grounds of Hogwarts. So the kids from Hogwarts can go to Hogsmeade, blah, 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 blah. But they have to sign a permission slip, and that's where Harry gets totally screwed in the beginning of the book. Because that's why – but that's all set up because then he has to get the Marauder's Map, sneaks out, goes um, – finds out all this horrible stuff because he he was eavesdropping on Cornelius Fudge and the professors of Hogwarts. Yeah. And, yeah, just whole snowballs from there. But Hogsmeade it comes up multiple times throughout the rest of the books. Um, and then you have the, of course, and it has it has the three broomsticks. It has the hog's head. Honey dukes. Honey dukes. And then the shrieking shack right outside of it. Mm-hmm. And the shrieking shack is a building that's supposed to be the most haunted place in Britain. That for years there were shrieks coming in there periodically, but it's been quiet ever since. But we find out that it was actually just Remus. And they believe to be ghosts that were haunting it. And the whole town's people talked about it. It's kind of funny. Goblet of Fire opens up with a pretty much an urban legend of how the riddles died and uh-huh. how people view that building. It's my favorite chapter in the whole series is that first chapter. I, and I think it's good up until Voldemort's there. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I think that that's like that's why because it, it's such a because it doesn't open up on Harry. All the other books open up with usually Harry yeah. in there. And it, it almost reads like, like of course, it, not like there's a narrator or anything like that, but it's just like how the story is told. But it almost told like, like this is almost could be like its own documentary about like what happened in this one town that muggles don't realize what it is. But of course, once you have the information, it's like, oh, that makes sense. And it like plays a Twilight on. Zone episode. Yes. Like that's kind of how I always read it in my head. Like the little old housekeeper. But like there was like they died in a mysterious way, but and. Everybody thinks he did it, but he keeps living there and taking care of the grounds long after people who have given up on the building itself. That's how people view the Shrieking Shack. It was this weird building that showed up, scared the shit out of people for a couple of years, but it turns out it was just looping whenever he turned to a werewolf, would just wolf out. And attack himself, so he'd like it would be his own cries of pain, which is sad. When I first started reading the series, uh, I thought that the Riddle House and the Shrieking Shack was the same thing. But yeah, I, wow, that's interesting. I, that's how I read it at first. But the uh, Riddle House is in a completely strict Muggle area. There's like mm-hmm. no wizarding stuff whatsoever around. Well, rel- well not because there's the little like shack that the yeah that's that's not too far away. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah, no, but yeah, I was, growing up, I always thought that was the same thing because obviously the house was there before before it was known as the Shrieking Shack. Yeah, 
So it, it had to have been a house that they didn't just prop up like a shady little shanty. Yeah, we're just going to slap this uh, horrible. You know how I, what I was confused about? How did they get the Whomping Willow to grow so quickly? Sprout. Well, you think magic. like she like mag- magic? Yeah, but I feel like there's only so much they could do because it wasn't like they could fast forward the mandrakes. Unless they bought a large, of a, a, a fully grown or oh, almost fully grown Whomping Willow and just slapped it there. I wonder if Whomping Willows are common. Like if you were just like walking through the it woods one day like and like black forest and like right? other like all those shady places, areas places that they tell you like oh don't go in the forest tonight because it's haunted fly. yeah yeah just side note there but yeah no I I could totally see what, that actually kind of makes a lot of sense because I could see that it's like oh here's another house like you you just kind of put it in its place um, yeah I mean I, knowing it what it is now it's a completely different town and completely different side of it, of uh of the UK but yeah what did they do with the shrieking shack uh, the the uh, shrieking shack uh after all this is found out and like they know that it's not haunted it was actually just a well the village level. doesn't know oh so the, they don't I do don't I think the it? village do- still doesn't know that it was looping the entire time it yeah. was just the three of them finding out what it was they turn into the shake shack that you see at City Field. That's what they turn it into afterwards. <laughs> turn it into a sugar shack and some shady shit goes down. <sighs> Two of yeses right there. I'm sorry. Um, there's a, the sugar shack and the shady stuff goes down there. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> you notice that I didn't repeat it. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, oh, like oh, I opened the door on that one. I did pick up that <laughs> Um. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into favorite? Okay, now how about this? The confrontation between Pettigrew and Sirius, where twelve Muggles died via explosion between the the, which I don't explain. Did Pettigrew? I think Pettigrew did it. Yeah, but I mean, was it like they were both dueling and it was just the result of it, or he just tried to take everybody out? I think Sirius went to confront him and like was about to like yell at him, like you would somebody who you considered your friend, and then Pettigrew was just like, "Boom, motherfucker!" and like blew everything up, which just goes to show that Pettigrew was always a motherfucking shady motherfucker because um, you don't just blow up twelve people, like even leaving a crater. Like Sirius went to kill him one on one. It's not like he's like, hey, Remus, guess what I heard? And he like, calls up his buddies and they go in the little gang of like flying motorcycles. Like, no. Like, he literally went to confront his friend on his betrayal. And, like, Pettigrew, like, literally blew up a bunch of people and cut his own finger off. Like, it's not easy to cut your finger off. No. That was an act of desperation because I think Sirius <laughs> could flat out destroy, destroy the living hell out of Pettigrew. And then also, if he showed like an ounce of restraint, could keep him alive to prove how, that he did what he did to the Potters. Mm-hmm. So Pettigrew is probably the just like Voldemort's gone. So Voldemort's not going to protect me anymore. Yeah. So the best thing is to avoid all this, blame Sirius, fake my own death, and just live life comfortably for the rest of my life. But desperation and like psychoness are. They go sometimes go hand in hand. Yeah, like, and that's not the th- that's not yeah. the thought process of, of someone of Normal. sound mind. Yeah. yeah. My thing is, why didn't Sirius put up a fight 
once he was arrested. Why was he I, just standing there laughing s- as Fudge tells the story? Because. Is he distraught? Oh, no, it's that? serious. And he's like, he's like, literally, he's like, this is ridiculous. Because it's, when you think about it, it's laugh worthy in like a maniacal way. Not like, like a haha, this is but really funny. But he also funny. thinks Peter's dead at that point. Yeah, he's like, this motherfucker killed, like, just blew up town to kill himself to get away and now i'm still going to take the fall even though i was innocent and i think that's literally like well he sirius did blame himself yeah for the whole thing because he said it was his insistence that it goes to Pettigrew. yeah being a secret keeper so obviously knowing that Pettigrew betrayed the potters and now he thinks Pettigrew's dead revenge is it's served. like a cruel vengeance like... is served but he still is living with the guilt that the potter yeah like dead, the universe so is playing a cruel like trick on him though like he, it's literally like a cruel trick because it's like and even with guilt like he could have exonerated himself and now he can't because yep. peter said because sirius isn't dumb as impulsive as he is he's, he's very no, he's smart very intelligent and like even when he's high like who thinks of hey let me use this cat to put an order in for a fireball like you know he's he has time to think about these things so i think like it was one of those things like that's it's so awful you have to laugh because it literally is awful because now not only does he have to live with his guilt but he has to literally has no way of proving that for like yes he has his own guilt but he's still innocent and he has well, he no way of proving it. He also just lost three of his best friends in a matter of twenty four hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And Lupin won't talk to him because Lupin was convinced that he did it. You know, I so mean, he has like, no one. Having the having the probably the sentiment that or not the feelings that like oh you thought i was a traitor that didn't go along with help the matter of like thinking that he was innocent or anything like that but um it's it's really strange and then how fudge and then obviously and along with everybody else arrest sirius and that sirius is rather not content but he's rather calm Despite being an Azkaban. He, he explains it that he... he transforms ne- into a dog to... Escape and stuff like that. But I'm talking about like well, no, the... he transforms into a dog to keep his sanity. Right. And the the Dementors never realized it. But once he found out, like, oh, Fudge is coming here. Huh. Like that transformer sound into back yeah. into a dog. My biggest question is why did Fudge give him the Daily Prophet? I think it was just, he says he felt bad for him. He's like, oh, I just, you know, just felt bad for him. I don't think he realized uh, there was He said anyway. he was, like, confused because. Yeah, he, he was of such sound mind. Yeah, he just. And nobody else was in there. Else. Yeah. yeah, everybody else. And to fudge, that was him being a complete, like, like a Hannibal Lecter. You know what I mean? Like, he's so, so intelligent, so sociopathic uh that he literally that's why he thought he was bored and he was just like you know all right here you go here's my daily prophet i don't think he ever for in a million years thought that he would set him down on this like breakout no i mean even like clarice gave the files to lecture to read and stuff like that (laughs) those the answers aren't on those chief shoes clarice (laughs) sorry um but it's also kind of contrived that the one profit he gets, Peter Bradicue, is on the cover. It's and what's the convenient. chance of that? Like, really? What are yeah. the chances of that? It's convenient, yes. But um, Life is funny like that, though. That is true. Like Serendipitous? Is that the, the term? Well, yeah, but, yeah, but um, would that be that? Where it's like, it's just... I would say more 
which there's plenty of cases in all of our lives of small world things like, oh, you knew that? Like, really? Yeah. Um, it's interesting. And the reason, like, it's such a complicated book to talk about because there's so much going on. Mm-hmm. That's why probably why it's one of my favorite books, too. Do the, the, the how in depth it goes into like literally everything it it was definitely not a half-assed book however like oh you don't know the story of Sirius Black let me tell you in excruciating detail just so happens that Harry happens to overhear this well, you had to find uh, out some way I know you kind of find out a little bit but I mean it's such a well, it's such a, a big exposition dump in the in, in the broom and thing, though. This was the first time he snuck out, right? That was the first time he did it because the second time yes. Hermione wasn't around. Yes. Yeah, he gets and that's where he gets in trouble with Snape. Snape. Yeah, so like this was the first time. So for them, the first time all the teachers to happen to come in, but it was like a big weekend, wasn't it? Wasn't it like right before the holidays? Yes. Like it was the last week, so like. It made sense without it being. It was one of those things that makes sense, and then as an adult, you're like, wait a minute. I mean, like that's what the one of the things the unusual suspect brings up in his reviews of the movies. Like, how many times Harry discovers something in the series by overhearing somebody? Oh. He he eavesdrops a lot. Sure, you could say that's part of his characteristic, but it's just very convenient that he overhears so much. Like earlier in this book. He overhears the first half of the story of like Sirius between the Weasleys arguing while they're in. Um... Well, he hears the beach. Oh, what's the name of the place? Uh, Three. No. No, wait. Um, the first part. But outside Diagon Alley. What? The Leaky Cauldron. Leaky, yeah, Leaky yeah, Cauldron. Yeah. Like he overhears the Weasleys arguing about, and Arthur insisting that he knows everything before going back to school. And I think he was. Do you think he was in the right there, or do you think Mrs. Weasley was right there? That's a fine line, because they're both right in a certain way. Um, oh, well, I mean, that's a mother and father fight for you. like that's, And it's kind of cool that Harry gets to be, like, the kind of the byproduct, because he's obviously not going to get that with the Dursleys. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, uh, you know, one parent's going to be more of, like, a nurturing, more, like, I want to protect them. Yeah. The other parent's like, bro, like, we got to let them live. Like, he's going to find out. I want him to find out the right stuff and not, like he does, hearsay. So he doesn't get the whole story from people who he would trust and information given to him gets it from overhearing them while under a table. Um, Like, years ago, like, my sister's ex, like, they went out, like, and, like, a few of her friends went out to the shooting range and stuff like that. My mom was apprehensive of me going to go to the shooting range and shoot guns and stuff like that. And my dad was like, well... And worst case scenario, if he needs to use it or something like that, at least he has some knowledge around it. That was his – it's like you're saying, like, I want to, don't want to do that, but, like, he could use that knowledge going further yeah. ahead. It's one of those situations played out. Um, and there was something else that was, it was really um, – oh, that – do you think it's weird it, – like we were saying, like sorry, I'm playing with Dakota's hands now. This is getting this is getting even Eat more the, the <laughs> sensual legs, anklets, and uh, tramp steps, and now holding hands. Um, Next is Gene Show. Uh, oh, uh, show tunes. <laughs> A while ago. Okay. Oh God. 
Now, we also brought up the fact that, like, the reason why Harry and Hermione have to be back in their exact spot is to prevent a paradox. However, there is a paradox in the climax of this book when Harry sees himself perform the Patronus. Yeah. And he shouldn't have been able to if he's never done it for the first time. See, my whole reasoning with why he doesn't go crazy from that is because he know he's like, there's no way the ghost of my father could have done it. And I think he thinks it's a byproduct of the Dementors. Because he kept saying, he's like, it was my father, it's my father, it's my father. But like in the whirlwind of events that had happened that night, I think like, had they not gone back in time traveling, he and which in turn he would not have been there, but say he was there still, he would have been able to be like, no, it was the way the Dementors were affecting me. Like, that's not what happened somebody casted the patronus but i think he literally harry works on the same kind of impulses that sirius does and it was oh my god not only am i gonna die hermione's gonna die and sirius the only family that willingly wants to accept me that's actually family whereas like the borough like it's kind of different with the weasleys because it's a friend's parents but here's somebody who literally is kind of in his direct line and so I think that act of desperation was able to give him a happy enough memory to to produce it. Um, but yeah, like, the only reason it was okay is because he had been hearing his dead parents. It's almost, oh, I hate to, I hate to bring up Twilight, but in Twilight, I know, I know you both gave me an eye roll, both of you, like, simultaneously. No, I, I just felt my knowledge is so dry a little bit more. Okay, but... Basically, in Twilight, like, uh, the only time she would hear Edward is if she was doing really super, like, adrenaline junkie stuff. And that's that's why I brought it up. Because only because it's kind of the same principle. Like, Harry, like, was used to hearing his dead parents. Like, it was kind of expected, which is why Bella kept doing those things and got worse and worse. Whereas, like, Harry was just like, all right, like, it was my dad because I wanted it to be my dad. It wasn't really my dad. And then it turns out it was just him. I'm good. I really, I don't have anything really else to say on that one. Uh, about the par- the paradox of seeing himself. Well, that's where time, the whole time traveling thing, gets really weird because it that's always going to happen. It's always a discussion. Well, how many times in the past has this actually happened? Until the past felt self was like, oh shit, maybe I should go do this to help him. I mean, as stupid as it is. Um, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, where they're going through the police station at the very end of the movie, and they get a fax saying to duck. Yeah. How many times do they get caught in that scenario before they decide to travel back in time to send a fax at that exact moment? Yeah. It's like one of those things where it's like that you could just debate that forever and ever, and you're never going to get an answer. I mean, that's the same thing with the end of the first Back to the Future. How many times is Marty going to be standing up there? overseeing the events of the opening of the movie play out and stuff like that. Will he eventually run into himself and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. But also I just wish like weird winged demons ripped open a space time continuum and started consuming people. Like in the one episode of Dr. Who, yes. which, and it's totally, you know, they ran out of money during that season for that episode. It's cause it's like, Hey, we could all keep it in the church the entire time. And we won't have to show the creatures too much. It was totally like we have a low-budget episode, so we're going to keep it all in one location there. But I think that's – the first time around, I didn't like that episode. Second time around, I really enjoyed that. But I can't watch that now because the Doctor Who is no longer on Netflix. 
They took... It isn't? They took it all today. Oh, dicks. I didn't realize that. Yeah. That sucks. And now your favorite moments of Harry Potter, Prison of Azkaban. Dun, 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 dun. Are you going first? You can go. Unless there's another again. topic you want to talk about, about before we go any No, further. it's okay. I had like my uh, one forget moment. I'll go first. <laughs> um, really, the, my favorite moments of this book is, to be perfectly honest with you, the introduction of, of Lupin on that train. And the entire train ride up until the Dementors, I always enjoy that thing, especially when the lights go out, because just how audible, like all the audibles off. Oh, hey, hello, Neville! Like it's like oh, they all are stumbling on top of each other. Don't sit here. I'm sitting here, and then it's like you're bickering, and then all of a sudden, quiet. And it's like, Ooh. and Lupin finally gets up, and he just poof, lights. It's like nobody move. Going to check out what's going on, and it's like. Oh yeah, and Ginny got affected pretty bad by the Ginny got affected very bad. Obviously, because she got fucking possessed. Mm -hmm. I forgot about her. No, but just how they introduced Lupin, and then just the dialogue on the train of Lupin, it just, that set the tone of the character, and that's why, like, pretty much how I just love him so much. So, yeah, opening scene, opening for, uh, when they introduced Lupin on the train. The whole opening on the train. Yeah, um, shit. I guess, I it's actually not a Quidditch one this time. Yeah. Woo! It's, it's really hard to pick. I, like, I kind of... All the other ones I had easier moments, but this this one was a little hard. I think it has to be when um, uh, they all get the payoff when Sirius writes, like, the note. It's like, uh, like by the way, I bought the Firebolt. So, like, Hermione's all like, ha I'm right. Like, she always needs that validation. And then, you know, Ron gets a new pet. And, you know, Harry gets his permission slip. And it's like... The fact that, yeah, like, now he has to go on the run and he can't live with him is out the window. But there's still, like, this hope that things will get better. And they don't get better. And it's so freaking sad. But, yeah, like, I think it, I just think when you tie in all that craziness that was that year and leading into what craziness is to come in the next year, my favorite book, um, is I, I just think that that moment is the best. Uh, my favorite moment could be. The Shrieking Shack, like the three chapters that takes place in there, mm-hmm. and the revelations that happen, how Sirius is just being very quiet and calm, and he, like, the most part of it, he does not take his eyes off Scabbers until they mention Snape, and that's when Sirius just kind of breaks out of his trance and is like, what about him? He's like, oh, he's a professor, pro- professor here. Oops, sorry. Yeah, Rubbing I, off on you. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, and then that's when he re- reveals himself to everybody. Uh, of course, Harry, all three of them attacking him at once, and he ends up cracking his head against the wall from all the spells hitting him at once. And then the Peter and Pettigrew, where Lupin and uh, Sirius are going to straight up murder his ass in front of everybody. And then there's one of my other favorite parts of the book is, like, obviously... The celebration of winning the House Cup. Um, and, and even like it's it's a weird scene. And I know I should hate it, but when Snape catches Harry and brings him to his office about and then has the parchment, he's like, oh, it's an old piece of parchment. Surely you don't need this, Potter. I'll just throw this in the fire. And just seeing how he toys with Harry at that point. Because he knows. He, he knows totally knows. There's something bewitched about it. I, don't I, think think he he, I think he does know 
a little bit more to it. Um, I think he just never knew how to work it. So yeah. he's hoping he can milk that and get that out of Harry. Like when, um, like when he's examining the statue that Harry uses, like it's almost like he's like, this seems extremely familiar. Like, I why yeah. am I? Re- why do I remember the statue specifically? Yeah, because you have to realize. Like, I mean, he's been out of school for a really long time now. So, like, yeah, this but, is not. Like, this would be familiar without it. But he could also remember uh, James, uh, Sirius, and Lupin seeing them there a lot all, around that statue all the time too. Um, but yeah, no, I agree with you. The whole that whole scene with the map and then yeah, that's not a weird scene. That's actually like a really legitimate legit. scene. And I think it's me because Jim Dale's performance is like really Potter picks up flu power. Lupin, I might have to listen to the audiobooks because I feel like I'm because I only did the one. I've never done the rest of them. It's I don't have the patience though. I like because I want to read at my pace and. Since I I work at a really monotonous job and I can just have my headphones in all day, so I just kind of like zone out listening to that. Yeah. While doing my bullshit work, so I'm just like that's why I I really enjoyed that. But I think I like that pace because I think I, I read at a slower pace, so I think like having them going at this pace and so I don't have to process as much of actually reading it. Um, it helps me. Pace when it's like really intense. Mm-hmm. It's not like. And then he turned. No, no, like, I, yeah, no. I know it's not that bad. It's just I, I read really quickly. Which I mean, if you can't pick up from my inability to pronounce any of the words in Harry Potter, is that is that linked <laughs> with a quick reading? In, in uh, no, I think it's just more like one. Like I was always really bad at pronouncing words. Like okay, like literally did hooked on phonics. Um, and then like because I read so quickly, mm-hmm. um. The, Harry Potter is the only thing I can actually retain. Like some things I, I read so quickly and for like a week I'll remember like mm. everything. And then like after it's like, wait, that happened in the book. Right. So that's why I reread things quite a bit. I mean, like I understand where you're coming from. Like yeah. I, I had like learning disability classes like once, like I had like oral surgery and then I had to like yeah. relearn how to speak a little bit because of that. So I'm just like, I, I know I understand where you're coming from, but worst favorite, or, 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 least, or, favorite? least favorite moments in this book. So least favorite moments, it's kind of hard because I do love every a lot of stuff about this book, but my least favorite mm-hmm. moments have to be the whole time travel part of it. I know that's a central part of the story, but at the same time, it's like, I mean, I've said it before, it's overly complicated. I mean, it's for, right, for kids, it's like, okay, that makes yeah. sense. But the fact that it's so overly complicated and I, mm-hmm. it's really tricky, though I... I mean, I accept it as a huge part of the story, and that's a pivot point of the story. It's just that it, if I had a nitpick, that would be my least favorite part of the story. Yeah, I, you know, I get it. I think time travel is just a rough concept in general to play with, and um, I get that. I, You know, I'm in the same boat. It's, it's just as hard to pick a least favorite as it was to pick – actually – a lot harder than to pick a best and i had struggled with that um because everything even if i didn't enjoy the moment like it made sense overall within the series like i don't think there's really anything in here uh that didn't get brought back up in some way shape or form um i guess really just what has to bother me the most is that peter gets away um and obviously we see a lot more of him and then like the whole thing with aunt marge like said i didn't think you can get worse than vernon dursley and like the fact that he's kind of afraid of her uh like the fact that they never care what dudley does and then they're bribing him to be have in front of her like it like just speaks to how 
unbearable. Like, I wonder if her and, like, Umbridge would, like, get together and have tea. Like, two little, like, peas in a nasty pod. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Ugh, I don't, I don't, With I don't their think bulldogs and kitty cats. You're um, welcome. <laughs> probably my least favorite moment is, like, it seems rather, like I brought up before, it always seems one of the three is at odds with the other person at one point in the upcoming books. That being probably the problem here. Like, Ron has a good reason to be upset with Hermione. Hermione's very, seems to be very stubborn on the fact that, like, Rookshank, like, cats do that. Cats, yeah, but, like, also feels like, like, scar- like, Crookshanks could be ripping at Neville's throat, and I feel like Hermione would have been like, but it's Crookshanks. Like, you just, Crookshanks just killed the kid. And you'd be like, it's Crookshanks, though. It almost seemed that kind of ridiculous, and it seemed very <laughs> contrived at points to keep that conflict going. Other than that, my probably my least favorite one, other than the time travel, is probably Professor Trelawney just being so prominent in this book. Yeah, so prominent. And... And, and one of my favorite moments of that book is, is during the Christmas dinner is when, like, oh, is Professor Lupin out here? Like, like uh, what's her first name? Sybil. So, Sybil, wouldn't you be able to see that? Yeah. And calls her out in front of everybody. Back and forth between McGonagall and Because you never see McGonagall lose her cool, but she does. Well, not without damn good reason. So yeah. for her to, like, lose that, like, kind of cool disposition in order to be, like, kind of sassy for no reason is so funny. I also love in that scene how, like, we were doing the uh, the crackers oh. and the, fe- yeah. the hat, the hat with the vulture hat. comes out. Yeah. And Dumbledore tries to give it to Snape and he's like, no, thank you. He pops it on oh, his head. Yeah, and I do like the whole justification of why Harry wasn't allowed to go against the boggart. Because, like, and Lupin's just like, oh, I, I thought it was obvious. I thought it'd be Lord Voldemort. Voldemort and it probably would have scared the shit out of everybody in the class yeah, at that point. And, which I wonder which form of Voldemort would it have been. Oh, you know what? You know why it wouldn't have been Voldemort? Even though Harry says it wasn't really Voldemort. Harry... The only version of Voldemort Harry has seen is the back of Curl's head and Tom Young. Riddle. So why would he be... It would have been confused. The part that, like, the thing that would most scare him would be the Voldemort that killed his parents, but he doesn't remember what he looks like. It would just been a close figure. It would have been what so the Dementor looked like. it almost would have been a Dementor either which way, which is fear itself. Oh, my God. That's such a cool... Wow, Tim! Good job. Yeah. <laughs> and I was then. Yeah, and Lupin, yeah. Lupin was so proud of Harry that it's like, you actually, yeah. like, you, it could have been the like the natural choice, but no, you actually fear something that's the definition of fear. Yeah, it's like good for you, kid. Yeah, that's right. You get on with your you, fear. You <laughs> owe that bitch. <laughs> the only thing we have to fear is. Fear itself. Sorry. And stairs, but, you know, that's... <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> you got that show. It took me a minute. I'm not going to lie. That was delayed, but... Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, just quickly on a Bogart. Like, okay. My biggest fear... Bogart or Bogart? I pronounce it Bogart. Bog. No, because that's how Jim Dale says it. But how do they say it in the movies? Yeah. yeah, but Jim Dale. Bogart, doesn't matter. Tomato, tomatoes. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. So, like, here's another question for you, for all of you. If 
you were presented with a Bogart, what would it pop out as? Well, we know mine. It would just be a rattlesnake, oh, yeah, like snake. which is, I mean, that was brought up in uh, in the movie. They do yeah. have like a snake. I mean, my biggest thing is actually heights and falling. So I don't know how the hell that would. The floor would probably. I mean, just transform, like, yeah, like a, like a, the the ceiling of the Great Hall. You know how it literally looks like a starry night. It'll just and, take the floor. Yeah, it would just like kind of like kind of just illuminate the floor, and you'd feel like you're about to drop. Yeah, 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 yeah that one. Yeah. Uh, drowning. That's one that, like, or being attacked in water and being not being able to do anything. Because I almost drowned once when I was a child, so I've oh always had to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, quick story. Uh, um, remember like. At my grandparents' house, they always had a pool. And, like, all right, close, like, we're all getting out for dinner and stuff like that. And we all had a bunch of pool toys, including one big, like, crocodile you can ride and stuff like that. And I kept grabbing for it. And it was getting out of the shallow end. I kept grabbing for it. And I kind of slipped into the deep end. Oh, no. And, and I'm, like, five years old. And, the only, and I'm just seeing blue and rippling above me. And the next thing is see is my father's hands just grab hold of my wrist and hoist me out of the water yeah. and like in one fell swoop and i'm just like <gasps> ever since then fear of drowning yet i love to swim that's the funny thing and, and and i do have problems with heights if i have no support but i can go up the top of the empire state building no 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 i was on top of the empire state building i tried to take a picture of like the point and even just standing all the way up and tur- like leaning Look, backwards yeah. i was just nope 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 all right, so here's a follow-up question. What would your ridiculous spell be? Uh, you. I don't know. Me? I think I might. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know. I think I probably would panic. I think I would be one of those people that, like, would, like, break down, like, a like a Hermione after McGonagall or even, like, Molly when she sees, like, the kids and just keeps going. Oh, God, that's yeah, that's Yeah, that's a rough one. Um. Because, like, I, I don't know if I could do it. Because I literally can't even watch snakes. on Like, you guys watch me cringe. Like, yeah, and it's CGI snakes. My whole, like, f- your story is, like, legit. Like, your fear makes sense. Like, I literally watched a snake being fed when I was, like, four. And I had nightmares for, like, years of being the lump that was fed. And, like, that's it. Like, I was just, like, a little kid. Like, my dad was like, yo, let's bring over and show her a boa constrictor. Because my dad's, like, super bright. And, um... <laughs> And that's it. Like, and even later on in life, th- now I'm thinking about it, my dad's really mean because one time <laughs> we're driving and like, there was like a rubber, how he saw this from a moving vehicle to this day, I don't understand, but he saw a rubber snake on the ground and decided, let's pull the car over. So he pulls the car over, grabs this snake and I'm sitting in the front seat, throws it at me hysterics like literal <laughs> hysterics he gets the thing he's like, oh, just playing throws it out i did not talk i think it was like a 45 minute card i did not talk the whole time i didn't talk to him for two weeks i was so upset so yes i don't i don't know if i could do a ridiculous spell i think i might if it turned it i mean there are other fears that i have that it could possibly turn into but i think Physically, a snake would make the most sense for me, and I, I don't know what I would do. Like, maybe a pretend it was, like, a TV channel. I can change it, but, like, I don't know how that would work. I don't know if I could do it. Turn it into a squeaky toy and just... Like, maybe I would do, like, how I, I picture where, like, the basilisk, like, how I trick myself into watching it. Maybe it'll turn into, like, a dragon or something. Turn it into and... the dragon from NeverEnding Story. Maybe. <laughs> like, maybe that know. would be how it... But even then, like, I don't think... 
maybe in the situation like Lupin, where like I went into it knowing that there's a boggart coming out, knowing that a snake is going to come out, maybe I'd be able to do it. But more so, like if I happened upon a boggart, like I was like, why is this rattling? And I open it up, and the big snake comes out. No way, you'd find me like dead, <laughs> heart attack. Well, I was gonna play a prank on you, throw a rubber snake at you at one point. Just to Are see you it. serious? And the back of my mind for Jerry Chamber secrets just to fuck with you. If I was like, no, oh it's... my god, I probably would have never done a podcast again. Yeah, after you explained how vehemently you yeah. hated it during the book review, I was like, mm, all right, I'm gonna shelve that idea. That's like my biggest fear about telling people. My biggest fear is that they're gonna use that again. Like I'm like, oh my god, I have enemies. What if they put like a snake in my car? What are you, a Game of Thrones character? <laughs> you feel like somebody's gonna assassinate you? Are you pretty? Are you I think be, I like... just watched too much Lifetime as a child because like <laughs> even somebody asked me, they were like drunk in Patchwork. I got off of work and they're like, they come up to my window and they're like, oh, can you drive us to our car? Our feet really hurt. And like I get it. Like I've worn like stripper heels too. I get they hurt at the end of the night. <laughs> but I was just like, oh, sorry, I'm running late, bye. And I was like, so this bitch could stab me with her stiletto. Hell, fucking no. I'm like driving away. So I don't think normal people's brains work like mine. But that's literally my biggest fear is that people are gonna throw oh, a snake. Who's at that me. Uh, Egyptian princess that died with a uh... Cleopatra? Cleopatra, you feel like that's how you gotta go out or something like that? I don't know. Oh. You know what? I don't know, Tim, and I will be very. I will haunt whoever. <laughs> <laughs> if I die of a snake bite, I can guarantee. I don't care if there is no afterlife. I will find a goddamn way to get you back. So keep that in mind, listeners. <laughs> uh, I don't know what that would turn into, like with Bobby. It may just turn into just a because I would just laugh my balls off laughing at him. Well, I feel like because if yours is drowning, it'd probably be water. So like, if you literally like like a it may be just bathtub, be a... like you know, when you pull the plug yeah. in the bathtub and it all goes down the drain. Yeah, but like, like See, I, can, was... I can help you guys with your fears. Yeah, yeah. turn yours into a squeaky toy. No, because I can't even handle a rubber snake. You think a squeaky rubber snake is gonna make it? <laughs> That'd be kind of funny though. <laughs> or it opens its mouth and it's like one of those blow toys where it's like. <laughs> Why are you haunting my nightmare? <laughs> That's like the clown of rubber snakes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> in the great movie ride in Disney, I have to I have to duck for the snake part, and everybody always thinks there's like it's like the Indiana Jones part, and everybody always thinks something scary is happening, but I'm literally just having a breakdown, and it's my favorite ride. Oh, well, the guess... Jungle Cruise, I turn away for the big animated robotic snake. So I guess we're never going to do a commentary to Anaconda now, are we? No, one time somebody left Anaconda on the TV, and it was awful, and I bet it was my dad because he's evil. <laughs> We can just make fun of John no. Boyd's hamminess in that movie because it's hilarious and J-Lo's lack of acting. Yeah, well, I'll never know. <laughs> what about sex on a plane? Did you, the, I'm sorry. The way you said snakes on a plane, it definitely said, it sounded like sex on a plane. And I was like, <laughs> Dakota, that's what <laughs> Even for our tangents for our conversation, <laughs> that is no correlation Dakota, really whatsoever. <laughs> the Maha Club has nothing to do with Harry Potter, unless they did it on a broomstick. It would be kind of interesting to see if somebody balanced their way out of the way. Of you know somebody's done it. I mean, I want to, I want to, like, how Talking we... Aberforth had sex with a goat, so, like, there's definitely somebody had yeah. sex with a goat. Flu- somebody was flu powdering around. <laughs> okay, so. Romantic guy from the phone uh, Yeah, my, like, my least favorite. Yeah, other than Professor Chabroni. Uh, Chabroni, as it sounded like. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Professor Chabroni up in the I don't tower. Know if it's our, like. <laughs> talking or if it's our hearing that's worse because i literally think that's been like a thing all day 
yeah, but also like my headphones are like uh, noise cancellation ones, so I'm just kind of like, kind of like, I'm like, I feel kind of deaf talking um, right now. Um, cry. Yeah. So I hope I always enjoyed this podcast review of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, if you want people to follow you on social media, where can I follow you, Nikki? I'm on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Snapchat, all that good stuff as Nikki Muggle or Nikki Muggle One. And you, Dakota? Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Dakota.Wegan, more likely, uh, for both of those. Um, and you can find my reviews of cartoon shows, good and bad, at dwdrawings.deviantart.com. And if you want to follow me on social media, you can follow me over on the Twitter at TimothyRooney1012. <laughs> Do aim by radio voice. And if you want to follow me over on Instagram, TRooney1012. And you can follow my YouTube page and Facebook page at <laughs> Through the Lens Productions. Now that you've had the reaction, I'm going to sign off in my radio voice. Hope everyone's enjoyed this episode of Harry Potter and the Prison of Ascaret. Don't touch my microphone. Oh, oh bullshit. Oh, my God. <laughs> I hope everyone's enjoyed it. We'll talk to Again? you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>